When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. This is Afternoons with Staffy podcast brought to you with our good, good mates at Gull. Gull.nz, they are with us side by side. 12 to 4 every day. Uh, today on the show, there was talk, well, there is talk, there's speculation of an Anzac 15, New Zealanders and Australians, All Blacks and Wallabies taking on the Lions when they tour down to Australia. Good idea, bad idea, and what Wallabies would make this combined team. That was sort of our first out. And then we chatted to Tony Johnson. We had a quick look back at the Japanese game and then look forward to uh, All Blacks taking on Wales, uh, the Anzac 15 a little bit on that, and then, of course, with the semi-finals, uh, particularly the Black Ferns taking on Wales. And we also caught up with uh, Christina Sue, former Black Fern halfback herself, and looked at the Women's Rugby World Cup. Big weekend for the Women's Rugby World Cup as well. Chatted to Andy McCook. He's the Greyhound race caller out of Addington. Of course, they've got a massive week next week. Three Group 1s on the card. Mainly talked about the New Zealand Cup. $100,000 race. The semis were last night, so we got his his best tips that he could come up with us for that. Uh, Sammy gave him a Spark Sport update as well. Told me what to watch this weekend. And uh, also our charity tips, our harness and our Greyhound. And then also show me the money today. Show me the money. Um, Tony from Auckland joined us. We're in for a decent click. Well, Tony's in for a decent click. The full four legs come in. And we also played the Volks day two. It was worth 100. Did it go? Have a listen. Thanks for joining us. Afternoons with Staffy Podcast. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Get ready for a workday pick-me-up. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Welcome in team, welcome into your Thursday afternoon here on SCNZ, you're in the afternoons with Staffy, thanks to Gull. They fuel your mission all year round and they certainly fuel this show for four hours every weekday, Monday to Friday, we really appreciate their support, so get yourself down and support them because they support us, why not, that's how we stay on the airwaves, gull.nz, get your intel there. Um, Show today... As per usual on a Thursday, we'll be talking to Tony Johnson, Sky Sport Rugby commentator. Uh, we'll be chatting about the All Blacks 15, of course, All Blacks Wales. Uh, we haven't spoken to him since they played last week against Japan. 
um, improvements, what's he expecting selection-wise. We'll also touch on the Women's Rugby World Cup, but we're going to go a little bit more and focus on the Women's Rugby World Cup, of course, with the semi-final for the Black Ferns taking on France. Um, Christina Sue, former Black Fern halfback, she'll be talking about this weekend's semi-finals in France. Should they be as warmly favoured as they are? Have we made that many improvements? She knows the players in depth. She's watched every game in depth. So looking forward to chatting to Christina just after two. We also have the big semi-finals. It's getting serious now. It's getting very serious. And um, our roving reporter, Captain K, has been putting in the work for the semi-finals of the GWE Top of TV character Jamboree. There's four players left. Four players left. And we're going to announce the first semi-final uh, after the 12.30 news. Also going to have a quick chat, quick catch-up with uh, Annie McCook, Greyhound Racing commentator down there at Addington, who's taken over the mantle and very hard shoes to fill of Trevor Wilkes, an absolute legend of it. But the New Zealand Greyhound Cup is on next week, along with the Galloping Cup and the Trotting Cup. $100,000 race for the Greyhounds, and they've also got the Galaxy Sprint and the Stayers Championships, and all the semi-finals were last night. So we will catch up with Andy about uh, what impressed them last night. And uh, always good to catch up with uh, the good folk from uh, Greyhound Racing New Zealand. We'll have a quick update from Brendan Popperwell as well. Looking forward to a lot of World Cup odds, I'd imagine, this coming weekend. And we're going to play Show Me The Money towards the end of the day. And don't forget The Vault as well. We're on day two of The Vault. Seven fantastic questions pitted to us yesterday. You'll get five today and see if you can unlock the Vault $100 TRB bonus bet up for grabs. Now, Midday Madness, this is where you talk and we listen and we discuss. I want to talk about this, um, the prospect of an Anzac 15 taking on the Lions, British and Irish Lions. Is it a good idea? I think it is. I'm quite looking forward to it if it was to happen. Uh, Logan doesn't like it, uh, producer of mornings, and I don't think Sammy Hewitt likes it either. I think his words were, what a numpty idea or something like that. Uh, not a big fan, Sammy, but I quite like it. Um, it's sort of like the Southern Hemisphere version of the Lions. If we combine South Africa as well, that'd be an absolute doozy. So first of all, is it a good idea, or do you think it's just a money-making marketing farce? Or... Do you like it? I'd definitely watch it. I'd definitely be interested. And I think as as much for the build-up to it about who makes the team. How many All Blacks? How many Wallabies? If it was to be played sort of now, um, I've sort of got my team. that I, I've got the number of Wallabies, I think, that could make the team. That's what I've got. So keen to hear you, what you think about, A, what do you think about the Anzac 15 concept taking on the British and Irish Lions when they tour down to Australia? And who do you think would make it from the Wallabies? I mean, granted, there'll be more All Blacks than Wallabies, but if it was now and not 2024 or five, four or five, um, I can't remember the year, actually. I think it's four. Um, let us know who you think would make the team. 0800 150 Good idea, bad idea, and who would play from the Wallabies? Give us a yell. It is Midday Madness. Well, listen, Buster, you better start <laughs> to move your feet. To the rockin'est beat of madness! We go to the phones and we talk to Zaid. G'day, Zaid. Do you like the idea? 
Um, maybe, I don't know. Another another option I wouldn't mind as well, which they've done in rugby league, is I know it's not the same thing, but like a Maldives rugby team versus the Aboriginal team would be quite cool, I reckon. Oh, yeah, like a heritage round. What do they call it? Uh, the uh, All-Stars. Yeah, like Indigenous an All-Stars, All-Stars. like a rugby version. Yeah, that'd be quite yeah. cool. All for, the, all for the game, right? You have to have one player from each country that plays rugby league. And um, I reckon a player from each country from for AFL, I reckon, or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that, but, that, but, that, but they're on the bench or something, like a, like a sub. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, like, yeah, like different rules. Yeah. And I reckon, like, um, yeah, and I reckon, like, you make it, like, a shorter game. So it's more of, like, a, I reckon you could have it, like, as a, what's it called? Like a, you know how they kind of have, like, all-stars, like NBA? But, like, a shorter kind of, I reckon, like, a shorter version, maybe. Mm. Yeah. What about a big game maybe of like Bull a- Rush, Zade? Big game of Anzac Bull Rush. <laughs> <laughs> I'd quite like maybe. that. Yeah, nice. Awesome, Zade. Thanks for kicking us off, buddy, Thanks. as always. All good, bye. There he is, Zade, the life member of Afternoons with Staffy. Um, good idea, bad idea. He was a bit ho-hum. Uh, let's find out what Brent from Wellington thinks. G'day, Brent. Staffy, I reckon it's a brilliant idea. Should yep. be on the anniversary of the Gallipoli landings every second year. Oh, now you're talking. Yeah, bring a bit more meaning to it as well, eh? Yeah, the RPs went there, it was just us two and the British, weren't we? Well, my history's not that good, but I like the sentiment. You you, you clearly know a little bit more about the history of it. Oh, yeah, mate, I reckon it's a brilliant idea, Steph. If we're allowed a squad of 30, 15 All Blacks, 15 Wallabies. Sweet. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Hey. And have a big bench. And- yep. Steph, why, why not one game in Australia and then the following year we play them in the UK? Geez, you're making a lot of sense, Brent. <laughs> not bad for rugby here, eh? <laughs> you haven't taken enough knocks to the head. You're making too much sense. Okay, brother. Good Sweet. on you, mate. There he is, Brent. He doesn't mind the idea. Doesn't mind the idea. Who's your who's? What does your team look like now? I know a lot. A lot of the current Wallabies and current All Blacks won't be available in a. Um, in a couple of years, um, but if it was to happen now, I'm going to tell you these these are the ones I think right now should make the Anzac 15 from the Wallabies. Michael Hooper, absolutely, Michael Hooper. Um, I'm going to come back to the loose forwards, okay? Michael Hooper, Taniella Tupo, in that kind of game, fantastic because it'll be like a Barbarians type game. Give the ball some air. That guy is a phenomenal athlete. The size of him, but the speed, the step, the hands, everything. Taniella Tupo, bang, he's in the front row. Um, Lenny Ikatao at centre, I'd have him in there. Let Rico go on to the wing. Show us his wares at wing again. And I've got Marika Korumbeti as well. He's he's a wing. And the other one, Rob Valentini. Now, number eight. What about Adi Savia, you say? I'd have Hooper at six, Savia seven, Rob Valentini eight. What a loose forward trio that would be. I would froth that. So I think at least those five, and you could make arguments, I think, um, for probably one of the halfbacks, um, McDermott. I really like Tate McDermott and and that sort of game as well. Um, And I know I'm saying now, but in a couple of years' time, there there will not be a Retallick and White lock. And they've got some good young locks, the Wallabies. One of those can probably get in there as well. But for me, Hooper, Tupo, Valentini, Ikitao, Korombete, minimum. That's what I think. What do you think? 0800 150 811. We'll talk to Jono. G'day, Jono. Hey, Steph. How are you? Good, mate. Thanks. 
Jess. How are you, mate? Good, thank you, sir. to be at the expense of one of the traditional ones because I'm all about tradition and rugby but I think it should be the last game on tour a bit like the Barbarians game is the last game on tour in a Northern Hemisphere tour. If it's the last game and um, the Lions can empty their benches and we can have All Blacks and Wallabies combined and play there yeah, not at the expense of a test not at the expense of a regular tour match but an additional one. A bit like um, the Lions came here and played the Barbarians admittedly the first uh, game of their tour up in Whangarei. It was brilliant. It was a Heartland Barbarians type team. Remember that game? That w- that was awesome. No, exactly, and that's what I'm I'm worried that you know the Lions tour is about having some of those uh, those alternative games, I guess you'll call them, and, and matches, and giving you know I think it was Heartland players were part of that as well, mm. and giving those players an opportunity to play against the Lions. And, and let's face it, the Lions are going to want some easy teams to play in a warm up, and then they're going to want to play. A couple of big games that make the money, and 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 I just don't want this to come at the expense of, of some of those other games. But in theory, it's a cool idea. But um, you know, I just wonder whether um, it's it's really needed, and, and is it going to earn more money? Is it going to draw in more viewers? It probably will draw in some viewers from a, a New Zealand market to give the Lions tour in Australia a little bit more attention. But um, I, I, to me, I, I sort of it's not really needed. The Lions tour is already so unique. It already sells out every game. It already draws in massive um, viewerships. You're not kind of fixing a fixing a problem. There isn't a problem there to fix. I think. Although, um, I think just anything, just yep. just thinking about it though, if uh, a Lions tour to New Zealand versus a Lions tour to Australia, we've got five Super Rugby teams. We've got Maori. We've got uh, that Heartland teams. Australia don't have that. They've they've got, you know. Um, well, they've got five. Well, they got four or five now. Five Super Rugby teams, but they don't have the Māori game. They don't have the Barbies. There's no other teams for them. So if if a Lions tour is, I don't know, twelve games, they're not going to have twelve teams for them. It'd take away the three Test matches. There's probably room in a schedule in a Lions tour to Australia. There's probably not room in a tour to New Zealand. Correct, but I think even reading from what I've read in Australia, it's going to be a shorter tour, and that will be the way it comes in New Zealand, where in future years they're not going to play, you know, the Maldives and uh, and all five Super Rugby franchises and Ababa. They want shorter tours mm. um, and and bigger games. So maybe that's part of it. I just I just feel it's not really a problem that's uh, that's needed. I said, look, we we beat the Lions anyway. Maybe they need to come here and beat us. Yeah. Really. For us to combine to try and beat them, um, yeah. But you know, um, that, that's my personal view on it. Interesting team concept and make some good radio and PR to talk about who the teams might be if you merge them together. But I don't think it's going to add and sell more bums on seats um, outside of a normal Lions tour anyway. Mm. All right, buddy. Thanks, Jono. Not a huge fan, Jono. Um, I, I just sort of picking at. Um, I mean, if the Lions went to Australia, they'd have three test matches, five Super Rugby teams if they wanted. Um, so that's eight. Um, what's another team in Australia that they could 
they could play. I guess they could play in Australia A or in Australia Juniors or or something like that. Could they play a universities team, something like that? But outside of those eight games, which would probably sell out all of them, you know, imagine the game against the Western Force over at that new stadium in Perth, fantastic. I mean, they probably would all sell out. But the Anzac 15, I think they're going to target the MCG. That would fill. That would be 100,000 people. Oh, my gosh. Um, and that would be the ninth game. I don't know. I, I take Jono's point. I don't want it to be at the expense of a traditional game. Um, definitely not a test match, and I don't think that would even be on the cards. But um, an Anzac game, and I have to be careful that I'm not just speaking from New Zealand, a New Zealand rugby fan point of view, that um, I want this to replace a game against the Rebels or the Force or the Brumbies, because I, I don't. I want the traditional games to stick, but... There's not the breadth of opposition that they could throw against the Lions that New Zealand has. That's just a, a fact. Um, Heartland 15, that there's no equivalent to that in Australia. Uh, New Zealand Māori, they could possibly put together an Indigenous team. That would be fantastic. So it's a watch this space, but do you like the idea of an Anzac 15 taking on the Lions at the end of their tour? Um, against the touring British and Irish Lions. Uh, there were a lot of discussion about it. Um, and gosh, we could we could probably do a whole week show on who would coach and who would play. But at the moment, which Wallabies, if it was to play this year, if they were in the middle of their tour and if they were to play this year, which Wallabies would make their way into an Anzac side? On merit. On merit. Um, how many would get in there and who would they be? I've given you my one, two, three, four, five minimum. Who are your ones? 0800 It's Midday Madness. We'll take your calls after that. Really want your thoughts. Uh, getting some great texts in on this Anzac 15 proposition. Uh, not many people play, picking their players, uh, Wallabies, that you think will make the Anzac 15 if we were to play now. I know that's a little bit fanciful because they're not playing now, but just... Just humour me, humor me that, but uh, do give us a call, 0800 That's why we keep the phone lines open. We got a text here saying, I agree with the first caller. I think that New Zealand rugby would 99% ditch one game, um, maybe the provincial 15 or one of the super rugby teams, which would probably be the Landers due to stadium capacity, if they could fit an Anzacs versus Lions match. Um Matt says, it seems rather arrogant that everyone is saying no Wallabies would make a joint squad. That must have been previous show. I'm not saying you're wrong, Matt, if that's what people are saying. I disagree as well. Um, Wallabies, they've got some great players. Uh, They arguably should have beaten the All Blacks in Melbourne, and we have not been good for a while now. A few names to begin with. Hooper, Corumbeti, Callaway, Valentini, Tupo. Any of their halfbacks. And in addition to that... um, I really, really like the idea. I think it could evolve and the combined squad could tour the United Kingdom in four-year cycles, completing a Grand Slam. To those saying the viewership wouldn't be impacted, that's rubbish. This would draw an audience from more markets and would hands down make more money. The Anzac Lions, call them the Anzac Lions, Poppy as a logo, I love it. Oh, I like the Poppy as a logo. We could really, like, that's one thing I love about Anzac Day, Anzac Day is the, the, the unity that it brings between New Zealand and Australia and the Anzac test that the Kiwis and the Aussies um, play is fantastic and the ceremony around it the, oh, the Anzac would we be the Lions? You'd probably the Anzac 
you watch the muck it up and call us the Walla Kiwis or the something like that. But just the Anzacs. We could just be the Anzacs and go over there. And imagine playing France. Oh, imagine the Anzacs playing France and playing England at Twickenham. The Anzacs, united as one. Put our arms around our foe for the collective good of Southern Hemisphere rugby. And that's what it would create. Is <clears throat> It's long been thought. For a long time, Southern Hemisphere teams outperformed Northern Hemisphere teams. And the, <clears throat> the balance is tipped now. So it'd be South versus North. Not a bad, not a bad idea, Staffy, as long as Ian Foster is not the coach. That's from Brian. I love the idea of the Anzac 15. Let's downtrow. I'm going to have to reword this. Let's downtrow those chaps and give them a damn good shellacking. <laughs> uh, what about what about if before the Anzac game, if we have a celebrity rugby game? Not against that either. I'd like to see. I'd like to see. And they used to do it uh, NRL. I think they still do it in AFL. Just the classic length of the field race. Get all your fastest players. I'd like to see them do it at the NPC final and all the teams that haven't made the final. So it's every team except the ones playing in the final. Chuck your fastest runner down to, where was it? Orange Theory Stadium. Have a race. We would love that. Have a kicking competition. Have Who can punt it the furthest? Who can place kick the ball? Have a place kicking competition. Pre-game, half-time. It'd be fantastic. And I'll tell you what, that... The kids would love that. There's all this talk about losing generations. We have to make it more entertaining, more sexy. We need more innovation. I don't want to mess with tradition, to take an earlier caller's point of view. I don't want it to be at the expense of the traditional, I'm going back to the Anzac 15 thing here now, at the expense of the traditional test matches, the locked-in important, you know, the games against the Blues, the Hurricanes. The I wouldn't want the Highlanders to miss out. Any team, in fact. Chiefs, Hurricanes, Crusaders. But don't want them to miss out a game against the the Lions. But I quite like the idea of something just a little bit different because it is all so same, same, same. Um, Rory has come in on the subject. Uh, Lions? I don't make jokes about Lions. And I pride myself on that. Rory never lets us down. Never lets us down. Sam, you said to me before we came on here today, you, well, I don't, can't remember the words you used. It was just sort of an offhanded that you weren't a fan of it. Uh, no. Why? No, nah, I'm not a fan of it. Well, I'm sort of in, um, who was that, that that called up just just before the... Um, Jono. Jono. I'm sort of in his camp. Like, why? Why? What? What is it? I don't get what it achieves. Like, the test window, we already talk about how the test window is so crammed. The international window. We we need a. There's a lot of other things we need to fix before we start putting together New Zealand and Australia. Not to mention the fact that I'm interested to know how the Lions started. You might. Do you know the history of how the Lions started? How Ireland, Scotland, Wales, England all came together? No. There's probably some story out there, right? Was it was it pre or post World War Two? I don't know where they. There'll be some reason why they came together, but I just don't think us in Australia today fit together. I don't think we want to play with the Wallabies, do we? Oh, mate, you telling me the relationship between England and Scotland is fantastic. No, n- now it's not. That That's the point. But I'm saying it because of the history, when it first did happen, maybe there was you know good intention there. Goodness me, it was founded in 1888. Well, there you go. Wow. Yep. I never knew it was that long ago. 
Eligible players from the national teams of England, Ireland, Scotland, Wales, the Lions, they're a test site often selected by players from 1888 onwards, combined British rugby sides toured the Southern Hemisphere. The first tour was a commercial venture undertaken without official backing. Um, interesting. The history yeah, of the Yeah, so world. my thing is, if you tried to set up the Lions today, mm. do you really think all those teams would want to play with one another? And I don't think they would. I think it's just because it happened years and years and years and years and years and years ago where that probably wasn't as big a factor, and now it's history. But I don't think you could go to, if they were separate, you couldn't, England couldn't go to Wales and Scotland. I'd go, hey guys, how about we bandy together and all go down to the Southern Hemisphere? But everything that has history had a day one. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying their day one may have happened when they were more amicable or they were happy to, to bond together, you know, in, in, a, in a sporting context. I don't know. Purely speculation that I just don't think we fit with Australia to go up and play. And in a really arrogant way, do we need to? I mean, I'd much rather just see the All Blacks play England at Twickenham regularly, every year, three-game series type thing. Well, you that, know? that ain't happening. I know, but that's and what I'd is, rather see. Th- this is once every... Now, remember that the Lions, they tour New Zealand, four years yeah. later, Australia, yeah. four years later, South Africa. Yeah. So it would only happen once every four years, this game. Would only happen one once. game. One game. One game. Like the Barbarians. I love the when the All Blacks play the Barbarians at Twickenham or wherever. Um, I love that game. I love that game. Why don't we just have a Fords v Backs game once every four years? Sam. <laughs> <laughs> North v South. Come on. State of origin. Yeah. Island of origin. Do you like State of Origin in the rugby league? Love it. Absolutely love it. That, that's not very old either. Everything has to start. I'm not saying it has to be old to be good. I know you're saying everything has to have a start. I was just saying I don't think, yeah, I don't think we suit the Wallabies like those Northern Hemisphere f- sides fit the Lions. And your argument is, well, they, they don't fit now, but they might have when they did set it up, which is why I think it's contextual. <laughs> that makes sense? No, don't make sense. Let's just fix the damn international rugby calendar first step, please. How long have they been trying to do that? I this know, but that's what I'm ga- saying. Let's this is fix an it. hour and a half of rugby, and they've been trying to fix the calendar for 20 years. 20 years, 20 eh? years with no later. solution, and we're going, well, let's just fix this hour and a half. Now, Steph, I'll put, a, I'll put a hypothetical to you, mate. You, you know, you've worked in many work environments, including this one right here, Steph. How many times do you ask for things to be fixed and they, they don't happen? How frustrating is that? Look, I've got a good idea for some hooks out in the uh, edit suite. <laughs> we'll take some news with Johnny Mecca. Sorry, Johnny, we're a little bit late. I was going on a rant. Uh, let's find out the real new sport and weather. Well, listen, Buster, you better start to move your feet. To the rockin' speed of madness. Yeah. Taking your calls on 0800-150-811 and remember uh, you could well be the caller of the month and you could win the Oklahoma Jacks Black Jack Charcoal Kettle Grill. Ava Living uh, is giving the best SENZ caller of the month. Chance to win that. Uh, the more I've thought about it over the news, the more I like the idea, actually. And I don't know whether that's Sam's stubbornness or just my common sense that thinks we'd do something just a little bit different in rugby. Let's find out down in Christchurch what Bruce thinks. G'day, Bruce. Happy, hey, buddy. Yeah, interesting. i got the old grey matter working. Um, <laughs> I sort of agree with Sam. Why? I'm not, I'm not sure why... Um, you would just do that. But 
here's a thought. We've struggled with seeing our other codes, especially the round, the, the footballers playing any international football in the last five, ten years here. Probably, probably similar to hockey as well. Why don't, why don't we organise a gathering between, to start with Trans-Tasman, where we play them in football, rugby and hockey, and we actually do it on the, in between the off-season somewhere in winter. Don't have the rugby championship. Have that every second year or something different. And actually create uh, a new sort of comp- mini-competition that involves the different codes. And I believe that's the only way uh, New Zealand football is ever going to get many games, to be honest, because no one wants to come all the way out here just to play little old New Zealand. It's too expensive. There's nothing on it. So, so let's let's just start with our neighbours and and create uh, a bit of fervour over that, and, oh. and get something going, and then work on that. Yeah, I, I agree. The the Socceroos is the natural opponent for. Uh, the All Whites. I 100% agree with yeah. that. That's a that's a separate subject to the rugby thing because they they operate in completely different spheres. Um, but gee, imagine a weekend where we took them on in rugby, hockey, volleyball, basketball, blimmin' anything. Yeah, <laughs> be awesome. Yeah, but, geez, but I mean, it, logistics uh, would be a nightmare. Well, it doesn't have to be seven sports, but you know, start with three. It, I can't see any reason why it couldn't. We always say logistics, but Mm. Look, all of the all of the the sporting schedules uh, are ridiculously um, full, uh, uh, and I've, I've been trying to work on a uh, a publication to actually call you and with with my summation about the, about New Zealand rugby and the world of rugby, but I haven't quite finished it yet. But around the whole the whole topic of too much, mm. and I I had a discussion with workmates in the last month and my family. Meaning, unmeaningful games of rugby. There's just too many. Yeah, you know, you, if you talked about the Lions tour or, or um, the Barbarians going back in '74 or whatever, you and I remember it because it wasn't that much. But just everything now is just overdone. Mm. And it's probably all television based oh, because we can produce um, it's revenue such gathering. good viewing. It is revenue on gathering on the screen. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's well, pointless. Yeah. Well, you keep working on that report and get in touch I'm with me when you've done it. All right, mate. Working on it. Trying to limit it to a thousand words. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, mate. I'll bust it out between our breaks one day. Thanks, Bruce. Okay, buddy. Cheers, man. Um, let's go to Blenheim. Uh, Matt has taken it upon himself to call the show. Good day, Matt. Hey, Snappy. Good, thank yeah, you, man. Uh, as you say, look, I sent a few texts earlier, obviously, but um, felt compelled to call because the more I think about it, the more I really like the idea, but more as us touring the UK. Yeah. I think that that, that Grand Slam, you know, because I think that there's so many possibilities to go back to the um, the rugby calendar problem, which has obviously been a problem for a long time and no one has a solution for. Um, I'm happy if we go if we do this every four years, alternating with the Lions tour, so there's something every couple of years. 
in those years, we we do it in that November window when the All Blacks, the Wallabies, and that are normally in the UK anyway. They don't play those years. The All Blacks don't tour. The Wallabies don't tour. But maybe we send the Maldives in their place, and the Australians might send a Aboriginal side, perhaps. I don't know. But that way, or and also, it gives greater importance to the Pacific nations that will be playing up there at the same time. Because mm. the Fijis, the Samoas, the Tongas, they can all be the sort of warm-up games for the Englands, the Scotlands, the Ireland, the Wales that we're going to play in those Anzac tests. And I think that that could be a way of decongesting the All Black calendar and the Wallabies calendar and, and, and giving a bit more importance to some of those less nations that don't often see the limelight. Um, as, as lead-in games to those Anzac tests. I like it. I like Now, some people are going to disagree with you, Matt. I'm going to agree with you. I think there's a, there, there's a discussion there. there, there there's, there's a plan there. There's, there's an evolution I, there of something that could happen. I just feel like you talked about it with your last caller. There's, there's too much meaningless rugby at the moment, and I think that that's all, as you pointed out, it's all to do with dollars and cents, and unfortunately we're not going to change that. Mm. But if we can work work within those bounds and still you know, find ways to have put on events that are going to create revenue and, uh, and and give the games more greater importance, then I think it makes sense. But I think that when I think about it as a tack-on to a current Lions tour, it doesn't have the same importance because... It's going to have that thrown together feel about it because whoever the Lions are playing, whether it's us or the Wallabies, mm. that's going to be the focus of those teams. They're not going to be focused on the Anzacs game, whether it's at the start or the end of their campaign. They're going to be focused on their three tests against the Lions. So that uh, I guess the, the build-up squads to go into something like that is going to need serious build-up. They're going to need time together in camp, things like that, and it's just not going to work, I don't think, in that scenario. I like the idea of it, but I just don't see how it can work in a traditional Lions tour, mm. but it could work in the years. Oh, it'd be something different for a change. My God. My God, it'd be something different and refreshing, I think. Matt, thank you so much for calling, buddy. Cheers, Dad. Cheers, mate. Uh, there's Matt, uh, 0800 I'm going to take a quick break, but before that, I just want to do a shout-out. A shout-out, a big happy birthday shout-out to Graham. Uh, he must be a Scorpio just like me, so... An incredible human. Graham's from Bedpost, and it's his birthday today, and Bedpost are a big part of our operation here. Um, and I understand Graham's probably listening as well. So not only does he support us, he listens to us and enjoys us. So, Graham, happy birthday, champion. Um, I can tell you I've got 37 texts on the Temper Bedpost text machine, and that's thanks to you, mate. Have a great day, Graham. We'll be back in a moment. Match up for the GWE Top of TV character Jamboree, but first we go to Gizzy and talk to Joey. G'day, Joe. Yeah, afternoon, Steph. I've uh, got a big thank you to pass on to yourself for uh, tipping us into that emissary on uh, Melbourne Cup Day. Mm-hmm. We uh, we put it into our uh, our box of eight horses and we got 22% of the first score. So thanks very much for that, big boy. Oh, mate, that's fantastic news. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I paid twenty three grand, so I was pretty happy too. <laughs> but, uh, but going on to what you're saying, uh, listen, we're still batting for uh, test matches in the Pacifica. We're still batting for our our Polynesian brothers, you know, for your All Blacks to actually give back from what we've taken over the last how many years, mm-hmm. and still trying to add another game. Listen, our All Blacks come back; they can't play the five games. We're of five games in Super Rugby, and we're looking. I know we're looking for contents, and I know it's a great idea. Even better, like you say, the Anzacs go play in France. Go put the game in Turkey, on the, you know. Mm. But I, I think I think we need a bat for our Polynesian brothers first, and let's let's get a let's get a 
biannual test match rolling with those Fiji, Samoa, Tonga, right, before we start to head off to country and say, let's band the up with the criminals across the strait there. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, and, and let's go play, you know, a test against the Lions. And I think, like you're saying, we don't want to, we don't want to bring down any, any of the mana that exists already amongst those, those annual clashes when the Lions do come. But uh, I think there'll be so much debate there. Who's the coach? Mm. Which player is better than which player? You know, and like you say, it's a roar in the media for for that. Or you can play it, you know, four twenty minute quarters where you sum off different players and you bring different players on, like you say, a full barbarian squad. And uh, and it's a uh, like Australian team first up, all black team second up, and then a mixture for the last forty. Mm. But I think uh, it's got plenty of links. But I think um, you know we're looking for content, and that's why they're bringing it out there. Everybody wants more, more, more. I like that man said before. Uh, you know, maybe we need to look at something like a celebratory week of of sport, but uh, you know, with, with different codes. But as you know, Steph, in the real world, that's not going to happen. It's too expensive to bring the boys back from Europe. They play so many games as a football player. Uh, yeah, it's, it's hard work, and these ideals that we think that used to happen don't happen anymore because everything's driven by revenue. Mm. So. You know, and that's why you have to have inbreaks, Steffi. That's, right? that's it, mate. Know. That is it. You're <laughs> so, bang on. So we, all know, we all know how it works, mate. But um, keep talking it up, are you? The chat's good. Yep. And everybody's got a great opinion, and you know. And that, that's why we talk up on, 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 your, on your station. But cheers for that, Steffi. You know, uh, we just got a trip to Bali with your girlfriends and uh, <laughs> out of your emissary. And uh, we paid a little bit more off the mortgage. So, cheers, big guy. <laughs> Good boy. Joe from Gizzy, emissary. Oh, probably your name is next born after that. Uh, we'll have our last break now. Give us a decent ramp up to the news. The GWE after this. Live from the SENZ studios in Auckland. This is the GWE Top of TV character, Jamboree. Yes, the afternoons with Stabby with Gull.NZ. Fueling emission all year round, and they have fueled this to the max. Uh, the fun and games is over. The shenanigans is over. It's serious time now, Sammy. Yeah. Um, let's just say this is when the real players come out to play, Steph. Mm. Um, I said a couple of weeks ago we dropped the dead weight. We really have dropped the dead weight now. We're down to four. The final four. Prime time. The final four, prime time. We're talking uh, Friday night, 8.30 on ESPN. Mm. That's what we're talking, Steph. Mm. And we've got our two conference finalists, or two conference finals. So the Eastern Conference final this year, we have the number one seed overall, Tony Soprano, going up against Basil Fawlty. Have I got that right, Kez? Basil Fawlty. And I think he's the number three seed overall, so tight match up there. And in the... West, we have. Are you going to announce those now? Oh, we just want to do one at a time. Yeah. Well, actually, no. Why not announce the other one now? Why don't okay. we just run the whole thing across the whole day? All right, let's do that. All right. So in the West, we've got Mr. Bean going up against Billy T. What's Billy T ranked? Six. Six. Six Who was six. number four? Who did we lose as the number four seed? Was it? Oh, it was Al Bundy. Oh, no, Al Bundy. Al Bundy was four. So. So there you go. We've got uh, those two matchup staff. We'll run them through until, let's say, 2.30. We'll announce the winners at 2.30. Right. Um, oh. And then we'll have our finalists for tomorrow, the national championship. Oh. The ship. Soprano, number one seed. Can he go all the way? 
I think he can, to be honest. The, if, if the volume of votes is anything to go by over the last few days, I say the Sopranos are a rocking home. Although Kez is giving me a very worried look here. Maybe Instagram says no. Maybe Instagram says no. The early votes, staff, the early votes. Yeah, what do you call those? The uh, Not the special votes. What are the early ones? I think in, it's called early votes. general election? I think they're called early votes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what are the ones, the special ones are the ones that people are, that are away, right, overseas? Away, then the postal votes and all that sort no of stuff. No special votes in this competition. All right. No. So there you have it, folks. And um, we're down to the big four. Oh, Soprano and Basil, that is a that is a hard run for me. Two completely different genres, uh, two completely different characters. Remember, we're voting on the character and not the um, not the program. So Soprano, so you text in double eight double three. That is the temper beard post text machine. Soprano or Faulty and Mr. Bean or Billy T. This is a grandstand. This is an absolute grandstand uh, matchup. So get those texts in. Uh, a couple of texts that are coming about the Anzac. Call them the Anzac Diggers, this person says. The Anzac Diggers. Um, one from JJ says, I'm not sure on the Anzac game staff. I guess it depends on the dollars split. Our All Blacks are bigger stars in Australia than the Wallabies. That's that's a, a fair comment. Who's the real draw card in that game? I like the combined team travelling to Europe to commemorate the Anzacs playing France or the British Isles. That would be special and symbolic. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of lot of discussion around where it would fit. I don't think, I, I've said ad nauseum, I don't want it to replace a historical, meaningful game. Um, yeah, and, and Peter actually says the greatest try in rugby ever came in a Barbars game. It could create some really special, special memories. Anyway, we'll be back after the news with Johnny Mac. Uh, lots more chat to come. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz, here to get you through your workday. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Party people in the place to be. Uh-huh. It's about that time. Yeah, what you know about going out? Head west, red legs, TVs all up in the headrest. Try and live it up, rock jewel, bigger truck, peace all glittered up. Stick a kid, what? Jig with a cut, sip crisp, spit it up. Welcome back into the afternoons here on SCNZ. Great to have your company, and it's great to welcome in the company of our Thursday regular. Do look forward to these chats, as I know you all do as well. Sky Sport rugby man Tony Johnson joins us today. Welcome in. Afternoon, Staffy. We've just done the first hour on this uh, and discussion for and against and how it could all work. This ANZAC 15 is in association with the British and Irish Lions Tour, a combined team in Australia. And it's grown some legs, TJ, with a lot of people coming up with the idea of an ANZAC 15, call them the diggers or whatever it is, and do what the British and Irish Lions do. And we go to the Northern Hemisphere every four years and play them on their home grounds. Um, it's such a big conversation point. Where does it sit with you? Um, I think while the idea is sound, uh, you've got to fit it in around a World Cup every four years. You've got to fit it in around a Lions Tour every four years. Uh, it's important the unions, the individual unions, see those, uh, particularly those end-of-year tests, are a big uh, money spinner. Um, yeah, there, there are reasons why it would be great. 
but there are probably plenty of impediments in the way before it ever became a reality. Uh, at this point, I, you know, what would be quite good was that you get to the end of the tours and you put the, you know, you put a combined team together to play a, a decent Barbarians team. Um, not just, you know, the Barbarians have basically become a whole bunch of um, non-British players playing against the touring side, but you know, you, you could you could sort of try and set something up like that. I, you know, I like the idea of uh, something, uh, you know, ahead of a, you know, as part of a Lions tour. Or, although, again, um, you know, we're not trying to be a naysayer. Uh, you have coaches thinking, oh no, I don't want him playing in that game because he might get injured for that game and, and that sort of thing. So, much as the idea, it's uh, it's it's got a lot of merit. Uh, I, I think it would have to take a lot of pushing and shoving, and people giving ground. Uh, to make it work, and we know that uh, when it comes to things like that, and particularly when there's money involved, giving ground is not something that rugby people, are, rugby officials, are very good at. Mm. <laughs> yeah, true. A money spinner last week in a sold-out stadium in Japan resulted in a very entertaining match and a very, I think, uh, comfortable coaching group from the Japanese side, albeit uh, a defeat. TJ, um, I quite liked the spectacle, though. Well, you know, I think we do tend to get a little bit in a match like that tied up in, in, in everything the All Blacks didn't get right. And I think it's really important that you acknowledge uh, that, you know, Japan, I thought, you know, obviously there's been some historic wins for them. I mean, they had a, a great win over South Africa. They beat uh, Ireland, at the, you know, the occasional World Cup boil over. Um, but this was close to something you know, as big as that, if, if not even bigger, uh, and and they deserved it. it. It wasn't like a team sort of playing above its weight or anything like this. Was a, a, a really good looking rugby side in action, um, and and so you have to think that if if they can build on that, I think importantly, there just seem to be signs now that the the, the ambition that was lacking in Japan rugby suddenly, um, and I, I think Jamie Joseph's got a lot to do with it. Suddenly, it's there. Eddie Jones bemoaned it. It's why he quit the job. After the miracle at Brighton, he said there's no ambition. But here they are, they're taking on the All Blacks and they're going to go over and they're going to take on England and they're going to take on France. And playing the big boys more often, uh, when you consider the, you know, some of the promising players they've got and some of the hardened professionals that they've got, uh, you'd, you'd like to think that you know, next year Japan can, can you know, have a big influence on proceedings at the World Cup again. Yeah, it was. I was thinking as I was watching that and I thought... Finally, Japan, because there's been New Zealand, well, there's been expats flocking to Japan for years and years and years, and and the All Blacks have been going there for years under the guise of we're growing the game, uh, and I actually think it was we're growing our bank balance, but I actually think something's happening, and and is it Jamie Joseph and Tony Brown? Is it a relaxing and uh, allowing it to be a bit more of a European way rather than the Japanese way? Whatever's going on, it's starting to click, isn't it, for them? Yeah, I, I think what is happening now is there's a much greater connection between uh, the, the the clubs, or over there they're kind of like um, that, more like the um, sort of industrial juggernauts that run the rugby clubs. Uh, there's a greater connection between them and Japan rugby. At last, they seem to be on the same page, and that's allowed them to be more ambitious. They've never had that before. That really, it was all about protecting these, you know, the, the, the industrial giants um, that, that owned the clubs, ran the domestic game, 
and, and it's almost as if the international game was of secondary importance as long as Japan had a presence, had a seat at the top table. But I think that's, that's changed, and I think the, the, the alterations that they've made uh, to the Japan League, I think have got a lot to do with it. The fact that they are now associating their teams with a region rather than a company. Mm. And so you're not calling them the Panasonic Wild Knights anymore. They're the, um, I can't remember the word, uh, the something or other, Wild Knights. You know, that, that sort of thing. Um, they're not the Cabelco Steelers. They're the Kobe Steelers. Um, that, that sort of thing. I think that there's, there's a different feel to it. They've got a, a, a really good structure going on there now. And it's, it's enabled them to, to, to be a bit more ambitious and already... Uh, I, I think the signs are very promising going forward. They're still always going to rely on imported talent. That, there's no question about that. But when you get guys like Warner Dearns prepared to commit, and, and you know, following on from Michael Leach, prepared, prepared to commit their international future to Japan, when clearly options could have been created from elsewhere, that's a, that's a sign of what's going on. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. We've got a couple of uh, games with uh, New Zealand men's rugby teams running out in black jerseys. I don't know what the All Black 15 jersey is going to look like yet, but a strong-looking team. But let's look at Wales first. Um, I, I can't remember the last time I gave them a chance of beating us. Uh, I think they're as good a chance now as they have been in probably well a long, long time. Well, if last week's anything to go by, they're a heck of a chance to end this drought that goes back to, was it, 1953? Um, they've had quite a few injury problems. You know, I felt for a while that Wales are an ageing team uh, and, and, and it's been hard for them to get their best players on the field. Uh, I, I imagine that the, the All Blacks have been read right at what you'd hope so after last week. But there's a lot of questions to answer in that team. That was a, that was a, a really poor performance. And, and it you know, begs a lot of questions about you know, what's the direction going to be for this tour. I suppose the first big question is who's going to wear the number 10 jersey? Um, are we going to go back to the situation where Richie Mourner, who'd strung together a good um, sequence of performances, then suddenly came up with a game totally lacking in any sort of authority or influence? So what do they do? Do they give him another chance? Or do they move Bowden Barrett in with some sort of mealy-mouth thing about we wanted to give him a chance or something <laughs> like that? Um, that's a big call that they have to make. Clearly, it'll be a stronger team. Uh, you've got Whitelock, you've got the Barretts coming back into it, but they're going to have to be a whole lot better. It'll be a stronger team, they'll have to be a better team. Otherwise, they might just be that all-black team that, that you know, was responsible for one of the longest winning streaks in the game coming to an end. Roger Tuivasa-Shek goes back to the all-black 15. Um, it's a pretty good side, you know, a back line of love, Stevenson, Enor, RTS, AJ Lamb, D, uh, Damian McKenzie, TJ Piranara. Um, is he running out of time to really push his claim for a World Cup um, a World Cup slot? And it's unusual, but I'm, I'm almost thinking this game this weekend for the All Blacks 15 is probably the most important he's played. Well, it's certainly an important one, particularly when you've got a guy like Alex Nankerville, who has been outstanding both now at super rugby level, had been good at NPC for quite some time, waiting to fulfil that role. I still think, um, you know, that they're paying a bit of a price there. Um, firstly, for the fact that, you know, he wasn't able to play last year. I think that didn't help at all because of the COVID lockdown that, that Auckland got tangled up in. Um, there's also this been this thing, and I think it's been talked about, I'm sure, sure you've talked about it a lot, that would he have been better off playing for, for Auckland rather than 
you know, practicing with the All Blacks, training with the All Blacks? I think yes. Uh, he just hasn't had enough game time. Really, there was a couple of lovely touches last week, mm. but there's nothing that we saw that made you think, yeah, he's ready to take over now. Um, you know, for my money, you go, if you're either going for Geordie Barrett or you're going for Havili there, and you're almost starting to think now, well, would have been, you know, in hindsight, would they have been better off playing him on the wing, playing at fullback where he's played so much of his sport in the past? So I think definitely uh, time is running out. I think they're going to have to make a decision. Uh, do we persist with trying to make him a midfielder or to give him a chance, do we put him on the wing, give him a bit of, or fullback and give him a bit of space and then see what he can do? Because it, on, the, on the basis of last week, uh, you, you just can't see him threatening for a place in a World Cup team. No, and finally, TJ, out of Sky Sport, the Black Ferns, it's business time now. It's sort of been in a lot of people's periphery, uh, but if you've managed to get to a game, anyone out there, it is a fantastic atmosphere. But uh, the top four, we knew who three of the top four would be. Canada's joined England, France and New Zealand. Uh, so much anticipation around. I think we're finally going to see, have the improvements that look like they're there, are they real? Are they true? Because now the Black Ferns have France. Yeah. Comedy act of the week, Simon Middleton, the England coach, trying to make someone else favourites for this tournament. <laughs> ha ha. Um, yeah, I get it. Uh, what, 28 straight wins? Uh, they are. They look like a, a women's te- uh, the England women's team are trying to play like the England men's team. It's a very attritional style of rugby, um, but they, it's very effective. And they've got these powerful forwards that they use to great effect. They, they play to their strengths. They play uh, within some you know, fairly tight confines, but they're going to be very hard to beat. But I don't like all this talk about people, there's been a bit too much talk about it in England-New Zealand showdown. New Zealand have to get past France. Mm. France were not comprehensively beaten by England by any stretch earlier on in the tournament. They are a real strength in the women's game. Their sevens have been fantastic, and they've got a lot of this, like New Zealand, they've transferred successfully their seventh talent into their 15th team to great effect. Um, You know, France will have to be beaten first before anyone can start thinking about a final against England. Um, Much to like about the performance last weekend showed tremendous improvement, particularly in their set piece, their scrum. Uh, Their pick and go is phenomenal. And of course, we know about the talent they've got wide, um, but they will have to, you know, continue to to minimise the errors that do come with a with a you know attempt to play a high velocity game, they'll have to keep, continue to improve their discipline. And if they can do that, yeah, they're a great shot at beating France and going through to a final, presumably against England. But uh, you know, don't take this for granted at all. And we all know about France at World Cups. We sure do, TJ. Look, I know you've got a busy day in front of you. Always appreciate your time on a Thursday, buddy. Um, I'll let you go and enjoy it and enjoy this weekend as well. Thanks for coming on. Cheers, Steffi. TJ, out of Sky Sport, great to have his company. Just uh, the All Blacks 15 team, uh, just rattled through the back line. Ruben Love, Sean Stevenson, and Stevenson and AJ Lamb are the wings. Centre, Braden Enor, RTS in the 12. Damian McKenzie plays 10. TJ Perinara in the 9. Uh, the forward pack, number 8, is Marino Makalitu. Luke Jacobson will play open side. Um... Dominic Gardner will be blindside flanker. Patrick Tuipolotu will lead them from the second row alongside Josh Dixon in a front row of Tavita Mafileo, Brody McAllister and Aidan Ross. And on the bench we've got Tyrone Thompson, Finley Bruce, Tamaiti Williams, Zach Gallagher, Christian Leo Willey, Cam Roygaard, 
fantastic player, Cam Royguard. Uh, Josh Iwani and Alex Nankerville. There is the All Blacks 15. Uh, we shall take a break. And after the break, I think we're going to catch up with Annie McCook after the break. Um, let's do that. Uh, big, big time of the year for um, all racing codes, actually. Every single New Zealand Cup is on next week. Uh, gallops, harness, greyhounds, the whole shebang. And the greyhounds New Zealand Cup is worth $100,000. Eight greyhounds, 20 seconds, $100,000. Boom. Annie McCook, he'll be calling his first New Zealand Cup next week. We'll catch up with him after the break. Uh, just before we go to Andy McCook, um, I've got the Black Ferns team as well to play France in the semi-final of the Women's Rugby World Cup. Uh, fullback is Renee Holmes, so she returns to the 15 jersey, Ruby Tui back to the wing. Um, and I pretty much think that's for the kicking game that will be needed, both from hand and uh, place kicking as well. Renee Holmes, uh, best kicker in the team. So Ruby Tui on one wing, Portia Woodman on the other wing. Uh, wonderful midfield combination of Teresa Fitzpatrick and Stacey Flula. Uh, de Mont, one of the captains of the Black Ferns, will be doing so in the 10 jersey. Kendra Coxedge, uh, Liana Makali-Tu'u, uh, number eight. Sarah Hidani, there was a lot of discussion whether she would hold the 7 jersey now that Kennedy Simon is available, but Kennedy Simon, the other co-captain, she's still on the bench. They've stuck with a little great consistent form from Sarah Hidani, getting better every game, I feel, um, and just that experience of uh, big match stuff. We'll see her um, take the seven jersey. Alana Bremner in the six. Uh, Chelsea Bremner and uh, Maya Kawanakolani-Roos will be the other lock and the front row of Amy Rule, Georgia Ponsonby and Pip Love. Uh, Luca Connor, I think wonderful impact player, uh, the reserve hooker, Luca Connor. She is on the bench. Uh, Crystal Murray, Santo Tomata, uh, Jonah Ngamu, Kennedy Simon, as I mentioned, Ariana Baylor will be the replacement halfback. And outside backs, Hazel Chubik and Aisha Leteinga, who is just so exciting. Uh, just what a future this young woman's got ahead of her. There was talk she may have found her way. I think if they'd stuck with Ruby Tui at fullback, uh, Aisha would have played on the wing. But um, I think common sense is that Renee Holmes out the back and uh, just that, that attacking, jeez, Tui, Woodman, Fitzpatrick, Flula, look out France, but also look out New Zealand. Do not underestimate uh, the strength of uh, how good this French team is going to be. Right, earlier this morning I recorded a chat with Annie McCook, a very busy man at the moment. Uh, there were a lot of heats last night for sprints, for staying, for the New Zealand Cup as well. Here's the chat I had with Andy this morning. It's we're going greyhound racing now. There was a big card of all the best dogs in the country. They're all gathering down in Addington. It's a huge week next week. And a man, uh, Andy McCook, he's a frequent uh, visitor to our frequencies on here on SENZ. And Andy, you're going to get to call your first New Zealand Cup next week, which is incredibly exciting. And congratulations on that a week out. And you saw you warmed the tonsils up for the semis last night. Um, four quite convincing winners in the semis for the New Zealand Cup. Yeah, cheers for that, Steph. Pleasure to be on the show, mate. Uh, yeah, first New Zealand Cup for me. It's a fairly exciting time for a youngster to be thinking I'm going to be calling my first New Zealand Cup in a week's time. If you had told me that 12 months ago, I probably would have laughed at you. But uh, that's the way it's happened. And Yeah, semi-finals last night. And, uh, gee, we had some very, very impressive winners. Three of them in a sub-30-second gallop, which is very, very quick around Addington. And 
Steph, I think the biggest thing and the most impressive thing out of last night, two of those greyhounds, so par with superstar in federal infrared, running times to the back, Mark, that are just simply outstanding and you don't see every day of the week. So next week, it's all going to come down to draws, but no matter how it plays out, it's going to be a dead set ripper. Yeah, it's almost like the the handicapper or whoever organised the heats and the semis um it's really wet the appetite last night because the, the the winning margins for the four winners were six and a half lengths, four lengths, five and a half lengths, four and three quarter lengths. And the great thing is in the final, which is the big New Zealand Cup, they can't avoid each other. We could see something pretty special. We really could. And uh, let's hope they all draw right and, and they get the right runs and clean runs. And uh, it could be scary to think the time we might see on the board at the end of it, a couple of those great things like Superstar and Winfrey going a war down the back straight, running the times they're able to run. You throw an Opawa Warrior in there who's run a 1760 up the back as well, and Mrs. Chin, Majestic Legend, who can both run times as well. And that's forgetting Mustang Charlie, whose uh, second phase acceleration is absolutely phenomenal. So we are in for something special next week. Let's just hope they all draw right and they can get clean runs because it will be phenomenal. Is there a chance of an upset in something as prestigious as a $100,000 Greyhound race or do you really think that one of the top two or three favourites could take it away? What's the chance of an upset? I think it's hard to look outside of the favourites just the way they went last night. Obviously, this is pre-draw, so things can change. That draw out this afternoon, so about 1 o'clock you'll be able to see that on grnz.co.nz. I think the only chance we have of an upset uh, staff is if a greyhound like uh, Quintessa Bale, for instance, was to draw out wide. She has a little bit of a habit of coming across to the fence, and we saw that yesterday in her semi when she was 29.88, which on any given day of the week would be the fastest time by a minute on the afternoon at, uh, at Addington, but yesterday it was the third fastest. That was just uh, how it was on the evening. So I think in, in, in theory, Seth, it should be between Superstar and Federal Infrared, the uh, the two Greyhounds who are able to post just absolutely ridiculous times. But if a Greyhound like Quintessa Bale or Opawa Warrior can get the right run at them, they might give them something to think about to the back. What about in the in the short distance in the Galaxy Sprint? It's a $30,000 Group 1 race as well. You're going to be, have to be on your best behaviour the night before, mate, because you've got a massive card to call. But the Sprinters, what did you like in there? Yeah, three Group 1s on the card next Thursday. It's going to be an absolute super. Uh, the sprint, uh, you had to be impressed with Opawa Ryder. He needs to start finding form at the right time. And we sort of come to expect that from the powerhouse that is Fahey Racing because they know how to peak them. They know how to get them right when we get into early November. And that's exactly what they're doing with this bloke. To be honest, though, staff, this race is going to completely come down to box draws. We've got three grounds in the race who have one way, they come out, they hunt hard left, they don't indicate, they don't wait for a giveaway, <laughs> they just get over and they do not care who is in their way. Opawa Barnes, the worst of the money bags, and uh, of course we've got uh, Corborn Carty in there as well, who was the doing of uh, one of the uh, pre-post favourites in yesterday's semi-final. So, if any of those three greyhounds draw wide, and it's hard to think one of them won't, it's going to come down to who's drawn the outside of them. Mm, fantastic and and I really like the stayers because you can overcome a, a, a shonky start and maybe a bit of a clip early on in the race and regather yourself up and, and make up the ground you may have lost in, a, in an early skirmish or something the stayers cup another group one thirty thousand. any standouts for you there Andy? Oh, dead set one dog race, you would think, and there's something untoward goes on, and he'll probably open about a dollar ten after his uh, by heat yesterday. And 
And that's our star stayer, no keeper. He is an absolute phenomenon of a greyhound. He clocked a 17.08. Had him not far out of uh, Adam making a, a Galaxy final if he was in the right heat. Then went on to carry that on. He got away to win by over 10 lengths. Broke the track record that had been standing for three and a half years. Previously owned by one of our best stayers we've seen in Dinah Weslin. And he just did set second race of them. It's, it's very, very hard to see a greyhound going with him. Unless he finds trouble, he'll be a dollar ten on the night. Anything more than that's value, and he's a dead set multi filler for Cup Week. Yeah, a multi, maybe just anchor him first in the trifecta, stand up and implored one one of the great stayers, eh? Yeah, one hundred percent, mate. He is uh, he is dead set one of the best we have ever seen over ground in New Zealand. He's an absolute freak. All right, Andy. Thanks heaps for joining us today, buddy, and uh, well done on getting the call up for what is going to be a fantastic uh, evening tomorrow uh, next week. Uh, three Group 1s on a card. I know you'll be fizzed up for it. Can't wait to watch it. Thanks for joining us, Andy. No, my pleasure, Steph. Thanks for having me on, and uh, good luck to everyone for next week. It's going to be an absolute ripper the whole week down here in Canterbury. I hope Brendan Popperwell sings along and dances to that tune uh, whenever we get him on, because I do in the studio, Pops. I look like a pork chop sitting in here in the glass house, but uh, I hope you I hope you do your jig. <laughs> <laughs> I do. That, that hot, hot sun that just always gets me every time, uh, <laughs> Steph. Uh... Good afternoon to you. How you doing? Good, mate. I, I mentioned to Paul Mawadi, uh, 12 and a half to Wales. I said that won't last, and it hasn't. Has the tide turned a little bit in the point start in the All Blacks against Wales? Yeah, look, it has. And uh, look, what we'll, what we'll see here is there might be just one more final twist here uh, around what's happening around this this point start line uh, at the moment, which is uh, at 11 and a half. Uh, Wales weighs a dollar eighty-five, but that's the money. That's where the money is heading, and at this certain point, uh, is around the whale. The Welsh at a dollar eighty-five, covering the point start. To be honest, not really too much traction elsewhere. Um, punders are very wary about this game, and understandably too, I would say, if you're looking from a from a New Zealand point of view, uh, they're a dollar thirty. And Wales are at three dollars and sixty cents. If there's been any sort of nibbles around Wales, it has been in that one to twelve market, and the winning team in margin, which sits at five dollars. Yes, it's it's not the most offensive price at all, I would say. Um, I'm interested. I know you're a big cricket fan. For some reason, there's this just this little maggot of doubt in the back of my head. We, we've got Ireland right now. We should beat Ireland. We should. Yeah. Um, I want to be 100% confident, but I think I'm about 90%. Pops, where are you on this Ireland Black Caps game? Yeah, look, Ireland are getting better, aren't they? And we've played them recently, and we've got form against them where we're able to you know, consistently beat them. So that, that's one thing, and that was not with our, our best side. That was you know, a developing side that had some of the senior players involved in it. So I'm feeling pretty good about it. And even with the way that Ireland's played throughout this World Cup and obviously beating England, punters are pretty feeling good about it too. They're keen to get on the black caps. What we've seen is a lot of money through a multis of black caps at $1.10. 
uh, into Australia in the following match, uh, who were paying what are they, next to nothing too, a dollar oh seven uh, against Afghanistan. That, that's actually been uh, two popular selections for multis. We've seen a couple of heavy five thousand dollar multis on those two options as well. So. I think with the way that we're playing, Steph, we're not too far away from from being complete. I know we missed opportunities in that England game, uh, either through our fielding, which is not like us, but we also got ourselves in a position where we we could have won that match too. Uh, It was down to maybe a a Glenn Phillips batting another two overs, Nisham batting another sort of eight to ten balls. Things could have been a lot different in that game. So I think if we play like that and just tighten things up, I think we'll put Ireland away. I want you to have a look at uh, the Rugby League World Cup markets for you. And I want to go to the women's, actually, which haven't had a lot of conversations around it and everyone's just locking in Australia and New Zealand to play in the final. And I see Aussie um, are at $1.50, which is very short, um, similar price to uh, England in the Women's Rugby League World Cup. But has, New, has the New Zealand Kiwi Ferns, I think they're called, uh, at the $5 mark, have they had any love at all in the Women's Rugby League World Cup? There's been a little bit, um, yeah, and I'm not surprised that there has been a little bit because it's actually quite an attractive price um, for, for for one of the better roughies for for probably the, the the weekend, to be honest. And we have seen not nothing too outrageous, but we've we've seen those the the, the smaller punters and moving up to sort of the hundred dollar punters uh, are getting involved. And you know when that starts mounting up, that becomes a bit of a liability. So. I would say that it's overall out of anything there, that has been the best backed option is around uh, the, the Kiwi woman getting the business done there at that $5 quote. And that's purely, you know, obviously a lot of heart involved there mm. uh, and such a price as well to involve. Uh, that, that's, that's attracted the punters that way. Um, we'll, we'll stick with the rugby league theme as well because we'll, we'll touch on a couple of games here where we have seen some money in the... Rugby League World Cup Australia Lebanon. Now, a lot of pundits just want to climb all over this this point start here, which is forty two and a half. Australia forty two and a half is is not enough, is, is what <laughs> we're seeing here. So, that, that, that's the line at the moment. It's a dollar eighty seven, and popular through Kiwis Fiji um, one eighty seven thirty and a half. Where do you sit here, Steph, on this one? This one's a, uh, you know Fiji have shown enough throughout this World Cup that they can compete. Uh, we've seen money towards the Kiwis, but 30 and a half, it is a lot of points. Yeah, I think if the Kiwis play their efficient game, um, I think it's about right, but we haven't seen it yet. So I'd probably go the Fiji inside, uh, getting 30 and a half, because um, when they, if they can pull out a big game, I think it'll be a lot closer than 30. But the point start I'm intrigued by is England's one against Papua New Guinea is only 22 and a half. I think of all of those three-point starts, um, oh, there's Tonga Samoa as well, which is a which is a great head-to-head match, but England, only 22 against Papua New Guinea. Yeah, and we've actually seen money on Papua New Guinea here at, at a higher uh, line. I think it was a 25, 26 at one stage. So this has actually continued to work its way down, uh, wow. this one, the, the line with, with PNG. So... Yeah, 22 and a half, um, starting to get in England's favour, uh, but it's a higher higher line, which we've seen a lot of movement in the early part of the week. It's all been around Papua New Guinea. Was our, our biggest bet was around $2,000 on that option on Papua New Guinea. Mm, fantastic. All right, Pops, and what, what's your feature horse of the, the coming weekend? I know we're only Thursday, but there's so many good races on at the moment. I think Nature Strip's going to hit the grass again this weekend. Yes, look... 
Derby Day is a day for the purists, which was last Saturday. Melbourne Cup Day gets everybody involved. I think the last day of the Melbourne Cup Week Carnival potentially has the best the best blockbuster day you'll find out of all four days, and that's including today as well at Flemington, because you've got the Cox Plate Cornella fighting out each other in Animo and, and I'm Thunderstruck. You've got Nature Strip, who's was beaten by Giga Kick in, a, in an Everest. We've got two Kiwis in that race as well. The, the day is just action-packed with a lot of really good races. Uh, if you're looking to have a bet today, there's a horse that James McDonald. James McDonald could have a really good day. He, didn't, he had a terrible book of rides Melbourne Cup day, but he's got some good good rides to look out for here this afternoon. He's on a shorty, but it might be one to roll into your multis. Go to race number three and number eight, a horse called Roots. Uh, James aboard. Chris Waller does the training. It's around a buck seventy, but it might be one for your multis. All right. Awesome, Pops. Thanks for joining us, as always, my friend. Cheers, Steph. Thanks, buddy. There he is, Brendan Popwell from the TAB. It's the time to get the app. If you haven't got the app, get the app. It's uh, racing. There's World Cups. There's um, Major League Baseball playoffs, NFL's in full swing. Even just to get a bit of a guide as to, you know, we always talk, you know, their favourites going into that game. Um have a look on there. Go to the Punters Lounge, tab.co.nz. Do it responsibly. Be 18 years of age, etc., etc. Sammy, I think we're going to have the result. Uh, should we have a break and we'll have the result of the, uh, what were we up to, the Eastern Conference after the break? Is that what we're going to do next? No, we're not. Okay, I'll take your guidance. I'll take your guidance. Let's take a break and I'll take Sam's guidance. It's Harness Racing New Zealand, Pacing for Purpose, Season 2. Really important this time of year, Sam. They're all uh, rock. What do they say? They're tightened up, rock hard, ready to run their best. That's a, I was just going to say that, Steph. Mm. That's exactly what they say this time of year. And uh, and the tracks love it too. Mm. Uh, they love being run on, yes. the, the tracks. Uh, I'll give you an update on the, the numbers, eh, for oh, our charity finally. bets overall. Um, starting from the bottom. Oh, oh is, this, is this the shows? Yeah. Okay. Starting from the bottom on $520 mornings with Smithy. Uh, on $522.50. So just $2.50 ahead of them on breakfast. Yep. Uh, in second place on $855, it's drive nice. for the run home, which means that afternoon staff is sitting pretty at the top with a $1,300 total. So well done uh, to everyone involved with picking. Keys uh, has done a few. I've done a few. Um... And, yeah, hopefully the listeners have uh, have backed a couple of them as well. So is this the harness or the dogs? Uh, we're staying with the harness. Right, so, so that's the harness scoreboard, or is that the total? No, that's the overall, the I overall. think. Gotcha, yep. gotcha. Okay. So, so we'll harness. start scoreboard. with the harness. We're going to go to Auckland tomorrow. Tomorrow? Yep. Oh, well, you've stayed away from the big guns. You've gone the support uh, the support card in Auckland. Uh, race number? Eight. Race eight, race eight, uh, New Zealand at Alexandra Park goes at nine twenty-five tomorrow night. Have your Christmas party at Alexandra Park Mobile Pace. Over twenty-two hundred metres behind the mobile, non-winners two years old and over. So none of these horses have won. But you're saying, Sam, you're going to pick the one that's going to win its first ever race. Correct. Eight horse field. Yep. Um, you d- uh, uh, trainer driver, trainer driver Wayne Fawcett. Uh, you won't go that though. What's the name? Uh, Ideal Dream. You won't go that. Sure. You won't go that. You, Sam, are going... You, Sam, are going Diamond Mounted. Not quite. Okay. Do like the name, though. Do like the name. Um, no, I've gone for one that I've chosen on name alone. Oh, name alone. My Little Big Man. <laughs> no. Oh. No. Jack the Builder. 
No. Gee, there's some good names there. I didn't realise how good they felt. I just went straight to this one. I just saw it straight away and tipped it. What is it? Uh, we're going for number three, Steph. Scratched. <laughs> I liked the name. I liked the name Scratched. I like the name Punk Scratched. Punk Rocker. That's the one. Yeah, it's been Scratched. Scratched. Oh, we'll just try and get a replacement one in there, eh? Okay. We'll try and get a replacement in there. Jeez. Gee, that's no fun, is it? Jeez. Who picks these things? You. Who picks these things? I don't know when it was Scratched. Must uh, have been recently, actually, because I was looking at this this morning. Yeah. It literally must have been in the last couple of hours. Must have been. All right. Well, let's do a greyhound then. Try and perk ourselves up, shall we? It's the Great Greyhound Racing New Zealand Charity Run. Oh, my gosh. That is a- <laughs> <laughs> what day? I, I can't tell the difference now between your laugh and your thing because it's sort of it's all blending into one. Oh my gosh, Mark Stafford! What was the other? Well, yeah, what were those other sounds you were making in there? I was doing the whimper. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. And what was that? You just did one just before there. Sort of. That doesn't really sound greyhoundy though. They're they're much more like wow, aren't they? I don't know. Not, not like, I don't know what a greyhound bark is. Aggressive. No, yeah. I think it's like well, that's a yawn. Yeah, that's what that's what they do when they're talking to one another. Um, well, we go to Palmy then. What day? Tomorrow. Tomorrow, great city, Palmerston North. I must say. So they say. Greyhound, Palmerston North. Uh, Quite flat, isn't it, Palmy? Well, they all are. That's true, actually. You, yeah. Every track is flat. No, no, I mean uh, the city of Palmy. Surround. There's hills. There's the Ruahini Ranges, but where you are, and of course the turbine farm up on the. Is it like Hamilton? Hill. Like it's just built in a basin, basically. It's very flat. Yeah. yeah. Um. I live next to Coromico Ave, which is one of the only hilly streets in Palmerston North. Okay. Yeah. You see, I I find Hamilton very boring because of its flatness. So, I don't mm. know. I'm I like the sort of undulation. Although I hate Wellington. Mm. Very that's windy. A bit too much. Very windy. Palmerston Palmy. North. Yep. That's a that is a sort of lower North Island theme, isn't it? Because mm. people said to me, I can't believe you're going to shift to windy Wellington from Palmerston North. I got to Wellington. I said, Palmy's windier. Yeah, okay. It's great city well, there. Anyway, uh, no Auckland, uh, sorry, Palmy tomorrow, uh, race number seven. Oh, he's gone straight to race seven. The TAB, no deductions, no surprises, class four, over 375 metres. What have you got? Can you give me, is it a name here as well? Uh, I'll give you a very big hint, and it's basically going to give the whole thing away, but I'm okay with that. Uh, Neil Diamond. Neil Diamond. Neil, Di- oh. <laughs> Blazing Caroline. I think, yeah, I was at Carolyn. I don't know, Caroline. It's Carolyn. Carolyn. It's Caroline. Blazing Caroline. There you go. Number Jeepers. two. Is it, don't have the odds out yet, do they? Don't have the odds out yet, but it is going down in a grade, which is, you know, Happy a, with that. a big plus for it. Um, it's in the two rug, so it gets a nice inside draw. What colour's the rug? Uh, stripes. Uh, Black and white stripes. You know the I two. love the red. Well, the red's the one. Yeah. That's a big time fancy. Big time fancy. I tell you what, stable mate, a kennel mate, I should say. So Lisa Cole trains the one and two. Um, maybe, and, and she trains the five and the six. She's got four of the eight dogs in there. Blazing Carolyn. Lock it in. Showing. I'm just going to tell you right now, I've had a bit of a, what's the word? Epiphany. Epiphany. Um, an apostrophe, um, as uh, Smeed says in the great film Hook. Um, number one. Red Dog is going to win this race. Cambridge. It's paying $14. Race 7. It was paying 16 It's just come into 14 you know, just now. But it's going to win. Do you think? Yep. Why do you think that? It's, I can feel it in my plums. Can you? Yep. So it's number one. Mm-hmm. Should we play it? 
not? Yeah, let's play it. It's race seven. The dog is called Canton. Canton. Let's hear it. Can win. Let's hear it. There, two, three, seven, and six. My numbers are here in the seventh on the card. Not forgetting race eight today. Oh, we might uh, run out of time. Late quaddy, 650. How long's the race? Jack putting into that late quaddy pool as well. 15 seconds. Runners come forward for race seven. Canton, Camille, no, we'll have time. your race we'll favourite goes in. Ford Man, start bailing. Second line, Knuckles Nugget on the down Canton. road today. Ring and over, overtaking and double header. So we're locked and ready. Red turns to green. We're about to chase race seven. Coprice, working dog, chicken, sprint, sets and ready. Epiphany. Racing, Knuckles Nugget straight to the early lead, wiring in over Ford Man up there, Cappy Yellow's hunting paint further back in the field to overtaking there, followed by Start Bailing, double header, and Canton's out the back, Knuckles Nugget enjoying the uh, class relief today, it's away by five, make it six, seven now, Knuckles Nugget well clear, overtaking up for seven. Ah, would have won it if it had a good start there, fourth, would have won it if it had a good start. Mama's making Canton, nothing uh, goes wrong. No one's even going to listen to me again. Taking it break. Uh, we talked a little bit of squash yesterday ahead of the Nations Cup, the squash forward series, Nations Cup. Uh, I've got the uh, rundown of what is happening. Um, today, uh, Scotland are playing Canada, and at 2.30, uh, England will play New Zealand B, and that's session two. Oh, sorry, no, session two. New Zealand play Australia tonight at six o'clock. As well, it's on Sky tonight, so you want to watch the Kiwis in action, Paul Cole and uh, Joel King. They'll be in the tally tonight. You can have a little uh, squiz at it. And in the baseball, we're at the bottom of the third, nil all. Nil all, Philadelphia lead that series, the World Series, 2-1. 2-1. We're going to talk some Women's Rugby World Cup with former Black Fern Christina Sue, former Black Fern halfback, to be even more exact. She'll be up straight after the news, and that is now with John McNeil. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. Get ready for a workday pick-me-up. This is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. My dog sounds are, are on the money. Um, my old blind dog just tilted her head at the direction of my whimper. There you go. It's a real sound. It's a real sound. Little sneeze there to go with that. Uh, Staffy Reed, the uh, uh, T20 World Cup. If all games go to plan, New Zealand beat Ireland, England beat Sri Lanka, and Aussie beat Afghanistan, does that mean Aussie is out of the World Cup? I know it's not good uh, to take pleasure in others' misfortunes, but... Very loud laughing from this text. Very loud laughing. Um, is Amy Duplessis injured or just out of the team lineup now? Marshy, I think she's just out. I think. Um, I can put that to Christina Sue, who we're just getting up on the line. All things going well. Yes, I can see Kez talking to her, I think. Uh, we are ready to go. We are ready to go. Women's Rugby World Cup is coming to a crescendo now. Former Black Fern. 
joins us now, Christina. So, so thanks for joining us, mate. Should we be a little? I'm a little bit worried about taking on France within a year of them dusting us up. Have you seen enough to suggest <laughs> we got it together? Are you a bit worried, Stephanie, mate? I thought you'd have all the confidence and faith in our black friends. Uh, hey, look, from their performance at this World Cup and, and their building from that previous tour, I think we're in a good position to to compete and give France a good run this weekend. Are we? I feel like we're still on a crescendo of getting better and better and better. And I feel like if we'd had like a, maybe a few more games or another two or three months, my confidence would be going over the top of the cup. But I've made it about three quarters of the way up the cup. I'm not fully confident because I'm not prepared to write France off. <laughs> no, I mean, I think I'm similar to you, mate. Yeah, it's prior to that autumn tour or that the one where France did post us up, you need to remember, it had been like 27 months since the girls had played any test match or internationals. And since then, there's been this huge elevation in terms of resources into the Black Ferns. They're professionals. They've had time together. I've had pack four. Um, so still a little bit concerned. It's not ideal, but it is what it is. And I think um, they're certainly in the best position right now that they can be heading into the semi-final. What are they going to find that France going to chuck at them that they haven't seen this tournament so far? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think uh, a lot of the French uh, the French side of, are known for their defensive defensive prowess, I suppose and, and that that's, that might not be anything new. They've had they've got Menager back at number 8 I see in the starting lineup, and she was a, prior to um, you know, in the opening round, her and Law Sansu, who was the world's best halfback, with the two that got injured. So, her coming back into that mix is is going to add a bit more injection and firepower. I think during that ten, they'll probably still look to do some tactical kicking. But in terms of what will they produce, that's that's unfamiliar or what the Blackfins haven't already analysed. Um, I'm actually not sure. I think they'll still go with the line speed or the defence. I think they'll still apply those tactical kicks and I think they'll probably look to contest or kick um, our back three a lot more and actually get the Blackfins running around the paddock. Is that brought about uh, the return of Renee Holmes to 15? What was the Ruby Tui at 15 um, selection? What, what was behind that, do you think? Was it a let's have a look or was it tactical? And now Renee's back in 15. What do we make of all of that? I think it's a great option for Renee at, at 15. And I think, I don't know if you've heard a lot of the, the Wesley Clark and Wayne Smith interviews, but they they have complete faith in any any players that they put out there. Uh, all 32 are capable. And it's just who provides to, uh, whatever it is, the skill set that they have for the opposition that they're having. So perhaps Renee's uh, back in there for her kicking ability. And, and you, you're talking this is do or die match and like the previous one as well, the quarters, but perhaps who who going in with the, the ability to kick conversions and go for those extra three points could be a reason behind that. We know how good she is at the back in terms of her, her um, counter-attacking ability as well with um, Renee Holmes. Maybe that that's a reason why she's been given the nod over Ruby this weekend. Um, looking at the halfbacks, I know I talked to you a wee while ago about Kendra Coxedge and the rising star that was Ariana Baylor. I tell you what, uh, Ariana Baylor was, had been putting pressure on Kendra for a while, and Kendra's really responded, hasn't she? Oh, hey, look, I was really impressed with uh, Kendra last week. It was almost like we saw the old Kendra, I'm not saying the old, but 
the the Kendra we're used to seeing in terms of that just plain instinctively. We know she loves a good box kick. We know that, you know, instinctively she knows when to kick, like the timing's right, especially if it's a turnover. She'll often look to put that, that box kick through. And I know that the coaching staff have been a little bit against box kicking, if you like, because they just almost want to play running rugby with everything. And I think what we saw last week from Kendra we saw two or three more box kicks than what we'd done the whole, almost the whole year. And I mm. think if she does look to just play her game that utilises those kicks and they're contestable and they're looking to regain or as you get some territory, I think that could just add another weapon to the Blackfriends toolkit this weekend. Um, I'm not taking anything away from Kendra Coxedge or Ruhe DeMont, the co-captain. I, I love to experience the level-headedness, but me, oh my, have you seen a more potent attacking second five centre and back three than Fitzpatrick, Flula, Woodman, Tui, Holmes? That, that is excitement personified. Oh, I agree with you, mate. It is, and it is excitement. You look at the the form that all of them have had and like the I think a lot of the public and the people are so entertained and intrigued and you're just winning that that buy into women's rugby because of because of that backline you've just mentioned and that they're playing with some you know, with intent, with purpose, with speed and accuracy and precision and it's really exciting rugby to watch and, and they're the reason, you know, that I think it's really putting um, our black friends on the map this this year. But not to, to take credit away from the, the Fords as well. We provide that platform and that that um, stability so that they can open up at, at the back line. I just got the feeling, just listening to some um, clips and comments from Amy, Amy Rule, Pip Love, Luca Connor, th- this front row brigade, they have they cannot wait to play France and England. I, I'm expecting massive games, particularly the front rowers. They, they are going to roll their sleeves up, yeah? Oh, I think so, and they have. They've, they've shown in this, uh, this World Cup, I think, prior to that, they were getting... They were getting, um, oh, sorry, Steph. Uh, they were getting owned um, in a sense that prior to prior to the uh, World Cup, but now they're they've certainly um, rolled up their sleeves. They're motivated. They've they've nailed their core role, their set piece in terms of scrummaging and lifting. So it's been it's been good rugby to watch, and and so those boards should be in the front row. Should be excited to go on into this one and be confident about about how they've been performing. Awesome, Sue. Christina Sue joining us there. I know you've got to go and do some coaching in exactly <laughs> four minutes. So I'll let you go. Go put your boots on and enjoy your afternoon. Thanks for coming on today. Yeah, sorry about that, mate. I got a bit uh, like one of the kids said, oh, there's no bus. I'm like, oh, see, so I'm halfway through <laughs> an interview. But no, appreciate your time, mate. Go well. <laughs> Thank you, mate. There is Christina Sue, former Blackfern halfback herself. Uh, voting lines are still open. It's an exciting time in the bracket. Live from the SENZ studios in Auckland, this is the GWEE Top of TV Character Jamboree. Vite lines are still open, but not for long. This is the last chance to dance to find the GWEE Top of TV Character Jamboree Grand Final winner. Sammy? Steph, I thought what we might do... um just to whet people's appetite and just really drive home the voting because the polls are about to close. I thought maybe we'd just bring a, a little bit of audio of each of our yes, final four so people can get G'd up, fizzed up, up and about, ready to vote. 
How Thanks, good. mate. So uh, let's start, shall we, uh, in the Eastern Conference, the final between Tony Soprano and Basil Fawlty. So your number one seed for the tournament, Mr. Soprano. There's a Zuni saying, for every 20 wrongs a child does, ignore 19. There's an old Italian saying, you f*** up once, you lose two teeth. <laughs> There's Tony for you. There's Tony for you. Tony. Going and up, against up against Basil Fawlty. Mention the war. I mentioned it once, but I think I got away with it all right. So <laughs> it's all forgotten now, and let's hear no more about it. So that's two egg mayonnaise, a prawn Goebbels, a Herman Goring, and four cold it salads. <laughs> Oh, wait a minute, I got a bit confused here. Sorry, I got a bit confused because everyone keeps mentioning the war. So could you... What's the matter? It's all right. Is there something wrong? Will you stop talking about the war? Me? You started it? We did not start it. Yes, you did. You invaded Poland. <laughs> there you go. Tony Soprano v. Basil Fawlty, Steph, in the... Uh... And that's not biased that we had a long audio clip for Basil Fawlty, but it was very hard to find Tony Soprano not swearing. <laughs> yeah, and even then he did swear, but we managed to uh, bleep it out. Uh, and then in the West, Mr Bean. I don't know how Kiz has found audio for Mr Bean this because be he doesn't speak, but here's Mr Bean. Hey, can you do this? Oh, no, but I can do this. Deep. Wow. How do you do that? Magic. (laughs) (laughs) That's enough. That's enough. That's a lot to hear. Uh, Going up against uh, one of the Kiwi greats, Kiwi comedy greats, and Billy T. James. And let's just pray for this. This staff by saying that this is you know, comedy from yesterday, thirty old years ago. But uh, here's Billy T. And you put all those three ingredients together, you have perfect Japanese. First of all, learn how to feel the cold. Secondly, constipation. Thirdly, amnesia. Perfect Japanese comes out like this. Uh, just an absolute, absolute icon of New Zealand here. Billy T. James, uh, star of the Billy T. James show. That's how he's got into there. So, Basil Fawlty versus Tony Soprano. And... Mr. Bean versus Billy T. Get those votes in. We've got about... And, uh, well, we've got about 10 minutes, don't we? Yeah. Ten, or 15 minutes. 15 and I'll, minutes. I'll tell you right now, Steph, an upset's on the cards. That's all I'll say. <sighs> so that's all Sam saying. What I'm telling you is either Tony Soprano is behind or... Mr. Bean is, is behind because they were the two top seeds going into this. One of those is behind. So get voting, team. If you like the sound of an upset, vote for them. If you want your favourites to go through, vote for them. Double eight, double three, temper beer post text machine. But it is time. It is time, folks. Just make sure I've got them here. Yesterday, no, Tuesday, we had a contestant in the vault. They asked seven questions. Fantastic questions, actually. They've narrowed it down. His name was Jordan. You can play the vault. 0800 150811. What's up for grabs? I hear you say. I'll tell you what's up for grabs. $100 TRB bonus bet. That's what's up for grabs. You get five questions to ask uh, ask Sam today, because I don't know what the answer is. Five questions, yes, no questions, then a guess. If you guess what this iconic sporting moment is that Sam's locked in the vault, 100 New Zealand dollars worth of TAB bonus bet will come your way. 0800 150 811 if you want to play The Vault. Five questions, one answer. 
Can you crack the vault? <clears throat> I tell you what, this particular part of the show has got the whole station enthralled, so much so that station manager Rube Dog has come into studio, just put the headphones on, just so he can listen along. I'm so excited, Steffi. <laughs> this is what it's all about. This is what I live for each day. What's in the damn vault? And no one knows except Sammy. So, Sammy, who have we got to play today? Uh, well, we actually had someone on the line. He's uh, he's dropped off the poor fella. So uh, we go to uh, the second in command, which I think is Daryl. Good day, Daryl. Oh, good day, team. How's it going? Good, Daryl. Um, you're going to get five. Have you got the radio on? I've got a bit of feedback going on there. Oh, I've got my radio on. Oh well. We'll cut. Take we'll, us off. Take us off the speaker. Take, take us, us off the speaker. speaker. You're not using one of those Nokia 1580 brick phones, are you, Daryl? <laughs> That's better. Uh, yeah. There we go. That's better. Yeah. Right. Better? Yep. We had a contestant the other day, Jordan. He asked seven questions. You can ask me to repeat two of those if you like, and then you get five oh. yourself. Oh, that's late. I'm going to decline on that one, mate, because I didn't hear that one the other day, actually, to be honest. Yeah, that's all right. So I'm saying you can say, I want question any numbers between oh, right. one okay. and seven, yep. and okay. I'll tell you what those were, and then five for you. So numbers okay. one to seven. Pick two of those numbers. Yeah. Okay, I'll go two and six. Two and six, right. Number two yeah. was, is it a team sport? No. Uh, was it an Australian athlete? Yes. They're the two. Now you get five, and after your five yes, no questions, you're going to have a guess at what the sporting iconic moment is locked away in the vault. Um, Not a team sport. It is an Australian athlete. Now your five questions. Okay. Uh, play golf. Is it golf? Interesting. Sam. No, it is not. No. Second question. Oh, that's what I want to say. Um. I'm going to go snooker, mate, for now. Is it snooker? Sam? No, it is not snooker. You know what I reckon might be a good idea now, and you don't have to take my vote. I'd try and find out an era. So give us a year and say, was it before this year or was it after this year? Okay. So have a guess at it. Yeah, okay. Was it um, the the last year? Was it in the last year, Sam? No, it was not, Daryl. It wasn't in the last 12 months. Oh, mate, it was not getting too good. <laughs> That's right, no's, no's help just as much as yeses. So was that, mate? No's sometimes help just as much as yeses. So try and yep. narrow it yeah. down with... Um, ooh, what do we know? It, it's not a team sport, it is an Australian, and it's not golf, snooker, and it wasn't in the last 12 months. Really stumped on these on this one, boys. To be honest, do you want me to ask? Um, I can I can ask you. I can ask one question for you, if you like. Yeah, that'd be yeah, that'd be good. Right. Um, is this? Uh, see, I, I know what the questions were the other day. I'll go. Is this before the year? 2006 inclusive 2006 or earlier Sam yes 
I feel like these are the exact same questions we had with the Tiger Woods clip, Steph. But yes, it is. Well, that's all right. So there we go. It's earlier than 2006, and it's Australian athlete. Do we have it? Is that it for questions? Or we have one, one more. more. We got one more. Think of anyone at the moment, eh? Um, oh, look, Stefan, I'm just gonna have to pass it on to the next guy, mate. I've got no clue. Okay, I tell you what, we've got Ruben, we've got Rube Dog in here. Rube, you can take you can take Daryl's question and then see if Daryl wants to have a guess. So, have a crack, Rube, who also didn't hear the first <laughs> no, day. No, didn't, didn't hear day one. Oh. Okay, um. So, Australian, mm. not team sport. We haven't we haven't established anything around gender, have we? No. No, we haven't. Okay. Well, I think I might head that direction. Go on then. Why don't you? Is it? Is does it involve it male athletes competing? Male athlete. Well, athlete because it's not a team sport. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yes, it does. Righto. So your guess, uh, Daryl, is. It is a male Australian athlete, 2006 or earlier, that didn't play golf or snooker. What is the sporting iconic Australian male athlete sporting moment before 2006? Have a stab. Okay, I'm just going yeah, okay. to say Michael Phelps. All right. Any anything out? So Michael Phelps, what winning a gold medal? Adam, what was that like? Winning a gold medal? Yep, um, I think he's won. Yeah, he's won. He's won. He's won. Yeah, he's won a lot. Okay, so we'll put Michael Phelps winning a gold medal in the vault combination. <laughs> Let's have a go. Nah, just kidding. It's. Access denied. Access denied. Oh, I'll tell you what we call that one, Steph. That's a cash builder. That's a cash 150 builder. bucks going to be up for grabs tomorrow. Thank you, Daryl. Hey, Cheers, Cheers, buddy. Um, like one, one sort of one thing that may have tripped him up there is Michael Phelps is American. Potentially. Potentially. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, some people are chucking through questions for guesses. Uh, 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 Tyson, like I said, like, yeah. the question you sent through was actually done on Tuesday. And uh, look, like I said, cash builder um, staff. So, you know, Daryl's just done everyone a favour there, bumping it up to 150. And what he's done is he's going to return tomorrow and say, I wanted 150 instead of 100. I know exactly what it is. Yeah, smart man. Smart man. Thanks, man, not harder. And we probably should just clarify because people were texting yesterday saying, oh, I've got an idea for how you make the vault more, you know, um, user-friendly in the fact that the person who asks seven questions should have a bigger slice of the pie to the person that only asks three and gets it on the last day. That's just not how the LTAB bonus bets sort of work, work. staff. Yeah, we can't we can- start at 200 and then make it less. Yeah, we started at fifty and then make it more. Yeah, so, it builds the atmosphere. And it also it's a bit of a gamble. Like when do you try and call? When do you try and get on? Do you try and get on when it's at a hundred? Do you wait until it gets to two hundred, knowing that you may not get there? Mm. So it's yeah, it's a little bit of element to that as well. And the guy nearly got it on seven, didn't he? He nearly got well, it. Well, he got very close. Yes, he did. Uh, not this round, the previous round, the previous round. Um, so Sammy's the only one that knows that. If you want to have a vote, a vote actually, uh, we're going to shut it off very shortly. Last minute votes. 
for the GWE favourite TV character jamboree. I've got that wrong. GWE. The GWE top of TV. Top of TV. Character jamboree. Character jamboree. Last second votes. You've got Basil Fawlty versus Tony Soprano. You've got Blackadder. Uh, sorry, Mr. Bean mm. versus Billy T. And there's an upset on the cards. Apparently. Apparently. Who are uh, rooms before, uh, so mm. pre-Final Four, when we're talking 32, who would you who did you have as your number one oh, seed? Hands down, Michael Scott. All day. There you go. Michael Scott. I'm I think David, he didn't even make it past I, the first round. David Brent's still in the running, isn't no, he? No, 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 no he's just We've only got out. four. We've only got of four left. Um, okay, I don't think, uh, yeah, I think uh, Basil, what were the four again? Basil, Basil Fawlty is playing Tony Soprano. Basil Fawlty, easy. I was, I was disgusted that Tony Soprano was number one seed. Wow. Jeepers. Jeepers. Tell us how you really talk about that in the post-show uh, uh, post meeting, gents. Yeah. And then Billy T versus Mr. Bean. Oh, dude, that's really hard. That's really hard. You want to be parochial, but I'm probably going to have to go Mr. Bean on that one. Yeah, I actually haven't voted my final four, actually. Well, you've got Michael Scott was robbed, let's be honest. Oh, I did. Out in the first round. Out out the first very round. disappointed. Uh, very similar. That David Brent also didn't make it this far. Yeah. As, I mean, I'm glad he made it to the final eight. Da- David Brent made it further than Michael, Michael Scott. Michael Scott yeah. getting out first round is nearly as heartbreaking no, as disgusting. losing the Stanley Cup in seven games. <laughs> yeah, all right. <laughs> right, we'll take new sport and weather. We will return. Oh, bit of 90s, bit of 90s for you. This has been the theme of the music today. Thanks to Captain K and Jazzy J. Uh, DJ Captain K. DJ Captain K. Uh, we're going to do double barrel here with Sammy H. Uh, what's making news? But first, very important, uh, what's making my TV screen this weekend, Sammy H, please? The itinerary, staff, the famous itinerary that we give to you on a Thursday, courtesy of Spark Sports. Uh, what can you watch over the weekend? Hang on, put a paper. And I'll tell you what, okay, it, um, it's sort of, I should have done this probably earlier this morning because mm. there's so much on today. Um, but tonight, game three of the Australian Diamonds v England series. And uh, I know Australia won in game two, so, you know, they, England can't win the series. But you think that uh, Australia might empty. Empty the stocks this evening, and yeah, uh, I, think might get the a, I think they might give a few of their squad members a bit of a dart tonight. Might not start with them, but I think uh, we'll see a few of their. Oh, it's offensive! To say. A few of the girls that haven't played had much court time. I think they might see the court tonight. So you reckon England are a real chance? I think they're back with a chance. What are they paying? Uh, about the two sixty mark. It's not bad. Game mm. three. Um, it's coverage on Sparksport kicks off at or tips off or centers centers off. What's the correct terminology? Passes uh, off? Centre pass. Yeah. Centre pass at uh, 9 p.m., I think, tonight. Perfect. That might be the build-up. might might um, uh, centre pass 9.30. Now, I want to do a, um, a Charles Barkley here. I don't know if you've seen the clip of where he says two words and then he says about 10 different words. I was going to say two words. Wheelchair Rugby League World Cup. Is that on Spark? It's on Spark Sports, Dad. What on, they, they call that um, – oh, uh, wheelchair rugby is called murder ball. Is it actually? Is, yeah. that, is that rugby? Wheelchair rugby? Wheelchair rugby, yeah. It's wow. called Murderable. I wonder Jeepers. what this is. Yeah, there's got this v- might be Homicide Ball. <laughs> oh, dearie me. Dearie, dearie. Well, I, it must be... 
an int- there must be some sort of variation. Must be. You know what I mean? Like I know the rugby one is, is almost like NFL. You throw it down, you get touchdowns and stuff. So I wonder if how the rugby league one works. Can you get a forty twenty in wheelchair rugby league? I don't know. There you go. I know. Who's the Jonathan Thurston of wheelchair rugby the league? The rugby league, the difference will be the rugby league uh, wheelchair, they'll have lowered suspension. Ah, and, sh- and shorter in goals. Yes. And shorter in goals. Okay. Yes. So uh, that, I think it's, I think it is first game actually tomorrow morning, uh, 5.40, uh, Spain v. Ireland. It might be kickoff at 6 o'clock. Spain v. Ireland. Uh, and then you've got England, Australia at 8.10. Um, games all throughout the weekend. I'm just having a look through to see if we're involved. I can't see our name on there. So we might not have a team over there. But um, I'm curious. I'm curious just to see what it's what it's like, Steph. Mm, I think we're over there. Are we? I think okay. Maybe was, we're just not playing until. Uh, no, I can't see it. We might not be playing till later on. Yeah, I said to um, I said to Greg Peters via text message. I said, uh, make sure you bring the cup home, and he said I'll be bringing three home. So oh, that's yeah, why. Okay. I, Maybe yeah, okay. yeah, fair enough. Um, well, yeah. Well, speaking of the Rugby League World Cup, um, the other one's going on. So. Semi-final, to- uh, sorry, quarter-final time in the uh, in the men's draw, and uh, look, it's not going to be. Um, it's going to be interesting. It's not going to be. You're not going to get any upsets, I don't think. But mm. it's going to be interesting viewing because it's the last chance before all the big names go up head to head. So Australia, Lebanon is Saturday morning at eight. Uh, I think it's eight thirty kickoff, but coverage starts at eight o'clock uh, on Spark Sport. And then uh, we also have uh, England v P and G, um, and that is on Sunday morning at three a.m. And New Zealand, Fiji, Sunday morning at 8.30 a.m. And then Monday is the f- uh, fourth one, which is Tonga v. Samoa, which is the one. That's the one you want to watch. Mm. And that's at, um, that's an early morning 3.30 kickoff on Monday. Um, and we've got the Women's um, Rugby League World Cup mixed in amongst it as well. I'm just checking to see if uh, New Zealand are playing a game. We are. Cook Islands, Monday morning. 5.40, New Zealand taking on the Cook Islands. Straight after the Samoan game, that's good. Correct. Um, NFL on the Monday, of course, I always mention that to your staff, a few NBA games sprinkled throughout, but of course, <laughs> Saturday. No, no Formula One this weekend. Oh, okay. Lots of MotoGP if you're keen on that. Valencia, Valencia this weekend, but no, uh, the big ones, of course. Saturday afternoon, uh, 2.30, first semi-final, the Women's Rugby World Cup, boom, Canada, England, boom, boom. and then, uh, of course, our 7 o'clock game from Eden Park, the Big Ferns, France. Live on Sky uh, Sparksport. I like to call that a double header. That is a double header. Yeah. Is, is the is the Canada England game at Eden Park? I think both are at Eden Park. That's a very good question. Could I um, get back to you on that, Sam? You pl- you please do please okay. do. Um, I always get caught saying Canada instead of Canada. You know because ca- well Canadian and then Canada and then sometimes I just end up saying Canada. Canada. Right. What what about weird thing but. Denmark and Danish. Why aren't, they, why aren't they Danish? Denmark, yeah. Mm. Great Danes. Anyway, that's uh, that's what's on Spark Sport over the weekend, Steph. A ton, a ton of content, a ton of great content on. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned. Um, get yourself that subscription like we've talked about. You only have to have it for uh, the length of time that you want to watch your sport, and then you can dip out and dip back in however you want to do it. Um, good value for money as well. I think it's, what, 25 bucks at the moment? 25 bucks, no no minimum contract. Well, a month, you know, that's it. And then you can cancel it, and then you can come back in, and then you can go back out. Yep. And then don't forget semifinals and then the final of the Rugby League World Cup, which is going to be awesome viewing. Ladies and gentlemen, I've, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? Sam, producer Sam, what's making news? 
I have found new jobs. I'm going to call it jobs for the boys. Right. I've found new jobs for yourself, Captain K, and me, Steph. Um, you fancy working at a Chick-fil-A? Yes. Great. Kids? Yes, please. Chick-fil-A. Uh, a Chick-fil-A restaurant in Miami Perfect. currently is inundated with applications for a new job that they've advertised to you. Can you guess why that might be? Free chicken. I think that's just part of any Chick-fil-A yeah, restaurant. Okay. It is... Uh, can't say that on here. Um, no, I don't say... Three-day work week. Three? Yeah. How long's your shift? Uh, yeah, 70 hours. <laughs> no, no, it's... Uh, I don't know. It just... Uh, they're take, uh, suggesting a three-day work week, obviously big shifts. So you get, obviously, three staff on, then three staff on, all that sort of stuff. Three 13-hour shifts. But they've been yeah, inundated with applications from people looking for uh, for the job. It all started when store operator Justin Lindsay noticed that his employees had been working 70-hour weeks and skipping their holidays. So he thought, we've got to change that. We'll... Uh, we'll Cut your days in half, but keep the hours the same. <laughs> you know what we should do? We yeah. should get him on the show, Justin Lindsay. Yeah, ask him all about it. He's yeah. probably the thing is he's probably fielding calls left and right for. Well, we couldn't know, we couldn't get Nigel from the Nigel Pub, so let's try and get Mr. Lindsay from the Chick Fil A. All right, Captain K, Justin Lindsay. You let's see if we can that down, Captain K. Although it's not a that's not a particularly unique name. I, I, there's probably a few Justin Lindsays. They, not many about. managed Chick Fil A's in Miami, though. That's <laughs> true. That is very true. Next, um, please. Now, if you don't. Think that three-day work weeks for you, staff, or flipping burgers or chicken, whatever it is at Chick-fil-A. I've got another way for you to make money. Yes. It comes in the form of a New York man by the name of Marcus Graham, 31 years old, who claims that he never works, and he makes absolute bank in the city of New York. I'm not going to ask you to guess because you'll never get it, but he spent $5,000 on two refurbished vending machines. Mm-hmm. Started making a bit of coin. Bought a couple more. He now runs. This is, I find that he runs as if he, you know, on a daily basis he has to service these things. But he probably does have to top them up. Twenty-five machines that earn him that earn him around three hundred thousand dollars a year. Shot, bro. For doing nothing but stocking up, stocking up, driving around so and stocking them up. Chick Fil A or vending machine. We'll take your pick. Mm. Do you want my big news story go that on. I saw last night? Did yep. you hear about the little kid? That has proof that he's come from the uh, Oh, that afterlife. really freaked me out. And then they showed him the photos and he picked it out. That was real scary. Mm. That was Ever since scary. he was two, his mother said he'd been saying he, he was a woman. Yeah. And then once he got to nine, she sat him down and said, what is this? And he said, I used to be a woman. I used to have earrings like you're wearing, mummy. Died in a house fire or something yeah, like I that. I was on a train, died in a house fire. My name was Pam. Yeah. And so she did a Google search, Pam, house fire, Chicago, and the year. Mm-hmm. Found a woman that actually died put up a big sheet of all these different women and just said, which one? And he just went straight to it. And, said, and he was her. recalling details like the name of her sister and stuff that he would never have known. That was true. It's very, very creepy. Mm. Very creepy. Can I keep it a little bit less creepy? Yes. Um, depending on how you look at this. But I've dug deep into the Tom Brady and Giselle breakup yes. uh, just to find out how the estate is going to be divvied. Mm. And you'll be happy to know, Steph, that they had a very ironclad prenup of course they did. Heading into I the American te- to make sure she did. In 2009. So um, Brady, Tommy, he's going to keep the seven... And this also is going to make you feel very inadequate. Uh, he's going to keep the $17 million mansion mm-hmm. that's under construction uh, in Miami. Uh, I like this line. They bought a property there in 2020 and then demolished it. Mm. Start again. 17 mil. Um, meanwhile, Giselle 
quietly purchased her own property in Miami Beach, a modest, very modest three-bedroom, three-bedroom uh, pad for 1.25 mil. Um, she will use that property as an office. That's my girl. She'll use it as an office. And she's bought another home, la- uh, large home in the area. Uh, so Tommy's worth, they reckon, 333 mil. Bunchen is worth four hundred million, so she tops him on that front. Um, so she might get a little extra out of out of Tommy there, just squeeze him a little bit, you know. If it wasn't bad enough, the man's trying to play football and he's going through a divorce. The fact of the day is the world record for the most uh, relevant because of breakfast, uh, breakfast and the run homes competition. The record for the most non-stop push-ups in a row set by Manuro Yoshida, Japanese man. What is it? Fifteen hundred. 10,507. Consecutive. Just couldn't push that out the next one. Um, if you want to play Show Me The Money, we take a bet. You're part of it. You're the fourth leg of a four-leg TAB bonus bet. $50 multi-me, Kiss Sam, and you. And thanks to the TAB, they'll put on a $50 TAB bonus bet for that multi. Ring us now, 0800 150 811. Show me the money. Show you the money. Show me the money. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. Show me the money time. Tony, I think it is that's going to come through here. Tony from Auckland. G'day, Tony. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, good, fella. Good. Um, Me, Sam, and uh, Captain K, we're going to take a leg each. Then you can... uh, Come in conservative, come over the top with your leg. We'll put a $50 TRB bonus bet on if it comes and you get all the winnings. So yeah. sit, sit sit back, Tony. We'll find out what the boys in the booth are going to do. Let's start with uh, the DJ himself, Captain K. What yo, are you thinking? yo. What are you thinking, fella? Yo, yo. All right. Boys, I'm going back to my roots. <laughs> Don't say football, kids. Netball. Okay. Actually, funnily enough, uh, I'm looking at Australia, England tonight, 930 I like Australia, but at head-to-head, I'm not having it at $1.37. No. So instead, I'm going to take Australia 1 to 10 at $2.30. Ooh, like it. That's my that little bit very, there. Show me the money. That's very tasty, actually. Mm. $2.30. Okay. You know me. Uh, well, I'll go next, um, Steph. Okay. Uh, I'm going to the Rugby League World Cup. Uh, I'm going to Australia v Lemonon. I think Australia absolutely pounce them. Um, they want to put on a good performance, of course, but of the semi-final against the Kiwis. So uh, I think they'll score a lot of points, and I think Latrell Mitchell. Um, it's going to be a bit of a a bit of a game. He's going to boss for, them for Latmit. What's what they call him? Latmit. That's Latrell Trail Mitt. Dollar fifty-seven. Anytime try scorer. Latrell Mitchell. Show me the money. Righto, so that means it's me before we get to you, Tony. And I'm going to do something a little bit controversial. I'm going to give you a choice. Do you want me to go semi-conservative in the Wales All Blacks game, or would you rather I took a Rugby League World Cup bet in the Tonga Samoa game? Which would you like me to do? Oh, um, let's go a conservative bet in the All Blacks game, mate. Righto. I'm going to take... You may not even like this one, though. I'm going to get Wales to finish within 12 points of the All Blacks. Wales plus 11.5 against the All Blacks, Sammy. That's at $1.85, and it's mm. moving. It's a moving oh, line. Oh, it's moving around. Oh, it's moving around on us, but that's okay, Steph. I don't mind it. Tony currently sitting at $6.68. Over to you. It's about the $300 mark at the moment. Tony, what do you want to chuck in there? Okay, well, I had this in my head if I was going to be the one that got through. So it's going to be a real crazy one. Nice. But I'm going to go half-time, full-time, double in the Papua New Guinea and England game. 
Yes. Wow, okay. And I'm going to go PNG to lead and England to win. Yeah, that that'll be bad. paying moon money. Papua New Guinea t- uh, into <laughs> England is paying $9.50 at the moment. <laughs> so if I uh, put that into what we've already got, Tony, $63.46 is the uh, total odds. I put a $50 bonus bet on that. Chuck it into the system. It spits out a number, $3,123.16. Let's go, Tony. Oh, me, oh, my. I like that. Tony, you got you got nads the size of concrete mixers. I love it. Oh, mate. Well, well my wife's Papua New Guinean, so. Love it. I won't boy. take them to win, but, you know, I told her they won't win, but, you know, I think they'll put up a good fight. Yes, nice, nice. Good stuff, Tony. We wish you all the very best of luck. Awesome. Cheers. Didn't even realise I'm out of retirement as well, Steph. I'm not supposed to be I'm banned from this particular segment, but I'm someone, back. Someone on the text machine just yeah. noted that. Uh, just the results from um, from our big bracket. There have been so many votes. Captain K in his DJ booth hasn't been able to compile them all. So what we're going to do, we're going to bring you those results at the start of the show tomorrow. Then we'll run the final and we'll crown the champion at the end of tomorrow's show. So uh, the GWE Top of TV character Jamboree conference finals results tomorrow. We'll take a break and find out what happened a lot longer ago than yesterday. Let's have a look back in the day, November 3. In 1962, the great man Wilt Chamberlain, Wilt the Stilt of the San Francisco Warriors, scored 72 points at the LA Lakers, and that was then the fourth highest point total in NBA history. In 1996, the great Kobe Bryant debuted. There is his first point in the NBA. And it comes at the age of 18 years, two months, and a couple of days. Geez, how excited was he? Uh, 2011, uh, three Pakistani players were sentenced to jail for involvement in spot-fixing during the Lord's Test in 2010. Salman Butt received two and a half years, Muhammad Asif received a year, and Muhammad Amir received six months. Go digging about Muhammad Amir, particularly. Interesting story. Uh, birthdays today, Gert Muller uh, passed away sadly last year but was born in 1945. 59 years old today, Ian Wright, English footballer. 58, Brian Young, take the catch, put the ball in your pocket, former Black Cat batsman. Elise Perry, current, current cricket all-rounder, uh, born in 1990. And Stacey Flula, current Black Fern, happy birthday to you. And Dwight York as well, happy birthday to him. And he's on Phoenix Nation after this. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91.